Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Happy Tuesday to you folks. Today is a fantastic day, and let me tell you why. There are countless opportunities out in the world right now. You think there are problems. Your neighbor thinks there are problems. Your mom and dad and your cousins think there are problems. Well, they're quite wrong. Instead, there are opportunities galore. Go find your opportunities. Make it a great day. Don't get caught up in the negative energy you can't control. That's just wasted energy, folks. Now, now let's get this party started on a Tuesday. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. We are here today on this Tuesday morning. I got my cup of coffee ready. Sterling, I see you've already had your cup of coffee. Several. Emptied there. And Frackleberry Hound is lapping water in the background. If you can hear that, well, that's Frackleberry Hound, our mascot. Boy, we got a full house here today. Let me quick go over a little bit of a preview. What we have in store today. By the way, thank you. To everybody who listened to the show yesterday, thank you very much. Thank you to everybody who emailed us, studio at thecrudelife.com, studio at thecrudelife.com. We will be having some emails coming up in our next segment here on the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. We're in the first hour, we play hard. Second hour, we work hard. And boy, have we got an interview lined up in the second hour. Sterling, are you ready? I am ready. What do we got? Uh, We have a husband and wife. Okay. Who was down in Washington, D.C. at the brouhaha. Just this last week, Just huh? this last weekend. And they saw with their very own eyes everything that happened. Wow. Now, I don't think they went inside. Mm-hmm. But they saw outside and what happened on the and this and that. And then they talked to people firsthand. And I thought... Let's get their stories. That's what I thought. You know, again, I, I tried to do solution-based journalism. Mm-hmm. And over the weekend, I got a ton of text messages about this uh dc invading the capital yeah storming the capital insurrection Insur- insurrection which is a wwe pay-per-view incidentally the last wwf pay-per-view before Was- the courts and the world wildlife federation made them change their name to the World Wrestling Entertainment. How's that for a smackdown? Did you know that? I did not know that. So the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, Mm -hmm. got sued by the World Wildlife Federation. And I mean, this was like a five, ten-year battle. Wow. And the Panda won. Laid the smacketh down on Vince McMahon's candy ass, and they had to change their name to WWE. Oh, man. World Wrestling Entertainment. Entertainment. Okay. And the Insurrection pay-per-view is the very last pay-per-view by WWF. So it's like a historical moment. It is. And then, so when that... When the media started calling it the insurrection this weekend, I was laughing, going, "See, it is, it is WWF. This whole thing is politics." Well, it's yeah. All if just... you if you were watching the news last week, it felt like you were watching a pay per view wrestling. Match. It is. Yeah. It's just a melee One that went horribly wrong. So my thought is, is you know what? I mean, the texts I got over the weekend, man, people who are not there have made up their mind. Mm-hmm. What happened? 
I mean, they're done. Their minds are made up. And I thought, you know what? I'll do what I do best. I'm going to get somebody who is actually there. Let's, let's interview them. And husband and wife, by the way, they went down there to support Trump. Yeah. And they got caught up. And what happened? And so I wonder if they talked to that uh, guy who wore the wolf costume with the... Yeah, I'd be curious if they talked to journalists, who they talked to, where they went, what they saw. Were they at the um, uh, the rally beforehand? Yeah. yeah, and this guy is a, you know, he's a, he's a political Politi- person. He's a political operative, right? Well, yeah, he's, he's... Ran for office. Things like that. So yeah. he's got some pedigree. Yeah, some perspective. Um, that's right. He wasn't one of the ones that showed up, you know, dressed like, you know, the insane clown posse. Yeah. Which... I, are they, they're the ones who get banned, right? No, the Bloodhound Gang. I think they're, that's the Bloodhound Gang. They got yeah. banned at Moorhead State at a local college. True story. They really? got Yeah, they got banned for life at our local college here. Okay, so let's take a look at what else we have going on here. So that's in the second half of the hour by the work hard portion of the program. We have uh, two uh, husband and wife on. Like I said, I believe they're going to give their names, so, but I don't want to give it quite yet sure. because yeah. the interview hasn't happened yet. So we have they to, may want to be anonymous. It's going to be you know, actually live as we're, as we're going. So, um, well, I know they'll give their first name mm-hmm. at least. So Edwin and Lisa. So let's see, what do we have coming up next? We got news coming up, news, and then we also have emails and texts. I see that. uh, Getting a lot of messages in here. Somebody's not happy with some COVID money. Somebody in Wyoming is questioning what's going on in the Bakken because the Bakken is shut down, man. I mean, if if you're not in Club ND, you ain't getting any money. Mm -mm. And then you've got, uh, what else do we got going on here? Oh, the Mandela effect. Yeah. Now, are you, are you familiar with the Mandela effect? Uh, you know, I'm familiar with Nelson Mandela. Okay. And what do you know about Nelson Mandela? Oh, geez. I don't think we want to go into all that right now. But what I read about the Mandela effect is that is based on the idea that a lot of people were convinced he died, what, two, three decades before he actually died. Right. And the, the idea is, is that when you say something enough and it's repeated enough, that people believe it's real. And so there's a, a lot of that now. There is. And so I thought that'd be kind of a fun game for us to yeah. play. Yeah. So, you know, we'll talk about some things that are the Mandela effect. And the, and the example I gave to Sterling when he was like, what is that? And I said, in Risky Business, there's a famous scene where Tom Cruise goes sliding across on the... on, on the Just Socks on the, and underwear. Socks and underwear and sunglasses. Yeah. But no, he did not have sunglasses. But like every reenactment, he has sunglasses. So now when you ask the average person on the street, apparently who's over 50, um, <laughs> that they'll say Tom Cruise is wearing sunglasses and that sort of thing. And that's not true. He wasn't. No, I think it's proof that we just don't remember things very well or that we decide to remember things a, a certain way. And I know another one is I don't think Albert Einstein was actually the person who said doing the same thing is insanity. You know, keep yeah. doing the same thing, expecting a different result is a definition of insanity. I believe that was not said by Albert Einstein, but most people believe it is. That is another example of the Mandela effect. So we're going to go through a few ones awesome. that are pretty popular, a few that'll make you scratch your head and say, well, I didn't even know that was a thing. And uh, that plus much more. You know, getting back to this DC thing, you know, um, I don't want to get into the specifics because I'd rather wait to hear what Edwin and Lisa are going to say uh, firsthand, you know, kind of boots on the ground with their own eyes, is I'm very curious to know your opinion on this, Sterling, who 
lived in Saudi Arabia for over a decade. I do believe in the same way that 9-11 changed the airline industry as far as our safeties and securities and freedoms and having to check in three hours ahead of time as opposed to just run it in right five up. minutes ahead of time. Well, in Fargo, mm -hmm. literally, you could show up 10 minutes before your flight and oh, be yeah. okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a thing. Now it's like three hours, and then you got to go into the secondary waiting room where you can only spend, you know, airline bucks and that yeah. sort of thing. It's just the whole thing's changed. I believe that what happened in D.C. over the weekend, because of what I've already seen people say is the definitive answer to what happened, uh, is going to change our, our personal freedoms yeah. as we know going forward, you know? Absolutely. Um, I think so. I do think, you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, you, you look at how... I don't want to be too grim. No, I mean, it's not grim. I think it's practical because you look at what changed with travel after 9-11 and that seemed to be a, you know, a knee-jerk reaction and now we've just gotten used to it, right? We've gotten used to having to strip off our shoes every time we walk through. We've gotten used to not being able to carry a bottle of water past you know, check out all that kind of stuff. So yeah, going forward, I bet you it's the last time we see protests in DC that aren't surrounded by national guard. And it's probably the last time that, that you're going to be able to fly without either vaccination proof or some other type of, uh, you know, papers almost. And that vaccination proof is a whole new couple of airlines. I think are starting to do can that. of worms yeah. and all kinds of different things because now you have a whole public conversation on, okay, well, tetanus and uh, mumps and measles and HBC. And I mean, are, are, are there, is there going to be a set guidelines then of vaccines you have to have before you can go out in public? Or do you see what I mean? To yeah. where, I mean, or is it just COVID? You know, it's been a long time, but when I used to travel internationally, when we would go to countries like Egypt and stuff like that and get, you know, get a visa, you had to have some medical proof that you had either certain vaccinations or you had, you were encouraged to get things before you went to places like well, malaria, malaria, for example. Yeah. So Tsetse flies. Yeah. So, I mean, it, on a lot of levels, that's been going on as long as there's been international travel. But yeah, it's obviously a lot more political now. But that made sense because there was actual deaths and outbreaks mm -hmm. and it was a real problem and with covid um you know there's to bring it to that level is what i'm saying on a domestic level mm -hmm. to where you have to check in on your phone and update your vaccine card before you go to the grocery store you know, I mean, we're not even a year out from maybe that being a reality. Well, you're doing temperature checks at schools. You're, you know, yeah. I mean, it's already, it's already sort of along. Well, those in lines. China, they have that um, that app, that app, yeah. which everybody's required to download. Mm -hmm. And then before you leave your house in the morning, you have to check in where you're going to go. Okay, yeah. I, I have lunch with Sterling at noon. And we're going to go to Bob's Diner. Okay, punch yeah. that in. And <laughs> seriously, that's what no, I, I know. It's a and then it's, it's efficient it, communist uh, da daily planner. <laughs> and that's run by the state yep. for your protection. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the governor of North Dakota, Doug Burgum, Republican, he's been touting 
that similar software in North Dakota for people to download because one of his, I, my understanding is a guy he knows or a political donor is has created that software. Right. And they used it to track Bison fans, NDSU Bison fans, when they go down to Frisco, Texas, and how they're spread out all over the country. And so you'd know if there was Bison fans around. Well, they converted that to COVID. Mm-hmm. And so he was trying to get people to download it. And I'm going, that's what they're doing in China. How is nobody not calling that out and saying, okay, I understand it's for team support with the Bison, but at the same time, that's a slippery slope became very wet and wild, man. Well, yeah, and that's, you know, that's the problem, I think, is that we've been voluntarily giving our personal information to our smartphones for a decade or more now, you know, and to grease the wheels of things, we make it easy so that we can do one shop one-click shopping on Amazon and things of that nature. Yeah, so we, we give up a lot of our privacy for convenience sake. That's why I think a pandemic like this really puts a strain on a country like America where you try to have personal freedom versus trying not to let a lot of people die. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what I actually took from last weekend in Washington, D.C. That and the gentleman who sat at Nancy Pelosi's desk, mm. put his feet up, and got demonized on social media. Uh-uh. That's my Christmas card next year if I'm that guy. That's that's like <laughs> you might as well cuz that's an expensive Christmas card. That's right? effing cool, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you could go I don't care what US senator it is, but Pelosi, that's like top of the line, right? Well, yeah, I'm sure that guy's got street cred for days now. I mean, Bernie Sanders, AOC, I mean, that's where exactly. That's you yeah. probably I'd take it out as a billboard to be honest in my hometown and say <laughs> Thinking he's going to need crowdfunding for legal rather than billboards, but <laughs> he'll get hey, it. You never know. I'm sure he will, man. With that photo, I mean, you know, politics aside. That's oh yeah, a, I mean, actually, that, that was, I, I would. That be, was badass, would, man. Would you be surprised at all if in two years that guy uses that photo to launch a campaign? Without a doubt, right? Totally. I mean, that's that's a once in a lifetime opportunity, yeah. and he took it. Good yeah. for him. Well, yeah. I mean, he's on the FBI's There's... most wanted list now. But <laughs> well, you know what? He will definitely be remembered. <laughs> he probably will. And then the other guy, of course, is the one that dressed like a what was that? That it was a wolf hat or a cougar hat, or oh, you know, uh, he, he had the yeah dances with no balls or whatever that guy's name was. There was a Simpsons character. Jebediah Springfield. Jebediah Springfield. He kind of looked like Jebediah yeah, Springfield, did. didn't yeah, he? Yeah. Yeah, I understand he's an out of work actor. Who is? The Buffalo Man. Oh, is that what it was, a buffalo? I think so. Okay, so yeah. uh, for I, I think... Yeah, it, it had horns, right? This yeah. was a famous photo, right? Because yeah. I saw it all yeah, over, and he was painted up. Yeah, see, like, I was thinking of the Flintstones. You remember they had that lodge? Oh, yeah, what's right? the matter you? No, yeah. that's Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> the Water Buffalo Lodge. Yeah. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay, See, the water buffalo we have lodge. successfully segued from sedition in the U.S. <laughs> to the Flintstones. This is awesome. Hey, man, we play hard here in the morning. This is the morning time fun. That's right. Well, yeah. it's, it's such a heavy topic. Yeah, it really is. And everybody else is going over it right now with a fine-tooth comb. So it's like we might as well have some fun. Well, and I again, I go back to, to me, what I took away was, okay, first of all, um, our personal freedoms are going to be eroding away very quickly in the same way transportation freedoms eroded in 9-11, okay? I really believe that's going to happen. You brought up an interesting thing earlier, which was after the Black Lives Matter and even the Dakota Access Pipeline protest, there was a lot of legislation put in 
that is going to give maximum penalties yeah. to anybody who does damage to a federal piece of property yeah. or a pipeline or mm-hmm. something along those lines because, you know, the energy infrastructure is considered critical. Yeah. So it falls in that same category. So there's going to be that whole side of things where some people just showing up may be getting maximum persecution. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about, uh, you know, they, this summer they were talking about a minimum 10 years. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. things like that. And yeah. then, uh, so you, you, you're, that part of the legal system is going to be pressed pretty hard. Yeah. Okay. And then you've got the personal freedoms being eroded. And then you also have the whole comical side of things, okay? And there is. There's a lot of, like I said, the, the, the Jebediah Springfield, the Water Buffalo, oh, yeah. the desk, the Nancy Pelosi's desk, the Ted Cruz fundraising during the thing. What's yeah. uh, the daughter? Simpsons episode, the, man. The daughter tweeting out, hey, how's the oh, weather? Her yeah, or, wishing no, uh, birthday. Tiffany Trump wishing her Eric a happy birthday. That's right. I mean, so you, you've got so many comical distractions yeah. coming out of this that there's... There's a lot more severity to this than I think people are probably going to process. A lot of my friends that live overseas that are American, uh, you know, but maybe residents in England or, or other international areas, they've been looking at this and watching what's been going on. Like we watched Tiger King, you know? I mean, it's it, as obsessed as America has been this summer with various TV shows. That's the way a lot of the world has been the last couple of weeks, just eating popcorn and watching. America, you know, because what I get uh, and what I got living overseas growing up is there there was a lot of love. There was a lot of admiration for America, the shining city, the hope, you know, democracy can win because America's doing it. So I don't know. I hope we come out of this better. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. This is the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. We are in our number one. Play hard. Coming up next, we've got texts and emails we're going to get into, our social scream, also the Mandela effect coming up in just a moment or two. This is Play Hard, Work Hard on the Crude Life Media Network. Play hard, work hard is sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. Play hard, work hard. back to the crude life morning show play hard work hard my name is jason speece that is sterling and sterling we forgot to do our sponsor of the day our phone line sponsor of the day actually our phone line sponsor swan energy our sponsor of the day blackwater environmental you know much about them hey thanks blackwater environmental you guys are awesome they're a family-owned company with over 10 years of on-site industrial experience offering inspections consulting coding failure analysis they do sandblasting out of the Moorcraft, wyoming gillette wyoming area of course they travel in that region and fantastic work uh, aaron jordan is their president and ceo and also a regular contributor 
on The Crude Life. He gives us updates from the Powder River region, as well as I love the supply chain because they're the ones who tell you what's going on. Yeah, I'm sure the logistics, you really get a sense of what's happening. Right. You know, I mean, if you're an operator, you basically, you know, obviously you know what's going on, but the supply chain is the ones out on the day-to-day, you know, out of the rigs, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of the boots on the ground type of a thing. So uh, it's fun to get updates. And the president, Aaron Jordan from Blackwater Environmental, comes on, you know, probably quarterly, something like that, gives us an update. We check in, see how things are going. They've been doing a lot more of the environmental work okay and a lot of their products and services are going that direction so we like to get an update on that as well might be a big year for them this year they're expecting that actually they are of course our music moody river band love these guys anybody has uh music that they want from their local neck of the woods maybe they've got some you know band that plays non-profits original singer songwriter type music send us studio at the crudelife.com studio at the crudelife.com and now we're going to get into some mandela effects so you remember what mandela effects is R? <laughs> R, yeah. Actually, I did have to look it up, but okay. yeah. yeah. Go through. Oh, we forgot to do our social media shout-out. I apologize. Well, I just want to give a thanks to Matt Cruz and the AE Partners. for Brian the, Elder, too, at AE yep, Partners. Brian yep. Part, and Brian. this is Brian. Ryan with an R. Ryan with an R. Not with a B. You've never met him. I have not met him. No. So, so tell me about these guys. What does their card say? They provide contract field operations support and permanent hiring solutions based out of miami texas yep matt cruz spent some time up in the bakken i believe he's a former baseball coach back in the corn husker days really cool oh, yeah yeah that's matt and i get along really well because we can talk a little sports you yeah, know that he's type got of some thing. stories oh, yeah you could tell what one of us was a sports talk show host and the other one was a coach you could, t- you, you could just sit you, just set you guys down for an hour let you go right into our roles immediately nice. oh yeah it's just like old, we should get you guys to call some games it's like old hat you know what i mean actually yeah. i am uh, calling yeah tomorrow, tomorrow right? night yeah what is I, that gonna be it is the girls hockey in west fargo high school nice their senior night okay and they've asked me to be the uh, ring, ring announcer, the PA announcer, if you will, say a little something about the kids. And to, to quote the parent, we just want it professionally done. Will you do it? <laughs> Apparently, they've had some issues in the they've past. Been, yeah, yeah. So, I, so, do you have like a different PA voice? Can we hear a little sample? You're of what listening that, to it right, is now. It right now. It's yes, silky it smooth. It's oh, I don't know about silky smooth. <laughs> smooth as sandpaper. Smooth as, yeah, <laughs> maybe. But oh wait, that's my dating skills. Smooth as sandpaper. That's what I've been told. Biblically bad. Yeah, those are my dates. <laughs> Biblically bad. But. So Mandela effect. Yes. Oh no. Let's get into the. Uh, social media talk, shout out all right little ae partners here so we got some awesome swag from these guys we, we put it. out a request and if anybody would like to send uh, us your swag or something you know if you'd like a social media shout out because every day we're going to shout out to some company on the social media world and today it's ae partners and what do they give us sterling we got a great hat and a nice shirt i think i'm going to take the shirt okay you can have the hat Excellent. Well, thank you, Matt Cruz, Ryan Elder over at Alder at AE Partners for that. And we'll put our pictures up as well on that. Is there anything else in there? Is that yeah, it? Yeah, I think we got a sticker too. There's a sticker in there. Yeah, there and it is. a card. Oh, and Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Happy Christmas holidays. Card. Okay, this was 
And what's the date on that? December 12th. I just got that yesterday. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Man, I, I, I'm not shocked, actually. Okay. Well, they, <laughs> the way the office, office has been working. Yep. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah, I guess. I don't know. Hey, it's I only mean, about another three days till the Christmas. <laughs> oh, now we're into Boxing Day, I guess. So, okay. Well, anyway, thank you very much. Our social scream of the day, because, you know, most people do a shout out. We do, we a, do scream. a scream. That's right. Yeah. It's just a low key scream. <laughs> We got to get the the uh, Shit's Creek meme. Uh, I don't let most people see me before nine a.m. So, okay, what do we got? The Mandela effect. So uh, Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. So apparently, this was coined from him based on the belief that so many people had that he died sometime in prison in the nineteen eighties. Of course, he was released in the nineties. Uh, became the. Uh, president of south africa uh died in 2013 so i guess what it's it's all about memory that's the mandela effect things that we are convinced happened in the past and but it's because of repetition Repetition. for some reason because i i remember the uh um, pop rocks pop rocks and the kid from life cereal mikey Mm -hmm. ate the pop rocks and his head blew up right and like literally overnight, <laughs> Pop Rock sales like dropped and they never really came back. Never really came back. No, right? and do you know they were like seriously one of the top selling candies of all time? Like no one has ever come close to the sale of Pop Rocks. And then that Mikey thing happened and they never rebounded. That's amazing. And so, but that's a Mandela effect because that never happened. Yeah. Well, you know, one I hadn't even realized Curious George doesn't have a tail. What? Yeah. or the Bernstein Bears right I've been reading and uh, Bernstein Bears books to my kids for years I had them read to me it's Bernstein okay well that one I okay that one I get but it's like Um, it's how we see things and then the way we transpose them in our brain over time Zach Morris Zach Morris did not get decapitated when I was in college really that was the rumor going around and that was one thing where for some reason you know it's kind of like the richard gear gerbil oh yeah which we even heard that in saudi arabia oh for real i'm not kidding yeah probably what seventh eighth grade that was floating around one of the flaws of an international actor i guess <sighs> yeah well the, the joke was uh what a hamsters and richard gear or what are hamsters and maseratis have in common they're oh, hard to get out of gear that was the joke yeah <laughs> All right, so let's go to uh, a few others that Sorry, that people was totally might, you know, That was good stuff, man. I just had to transition really quick because, you know, at, at the same time, I still have a little professional. Sure, we got to keep things inside of me. So we'll break that. Don't play. worry. The Monopoly man's monocle. Yeah, what about that? He doesn't have one. What? He does not have one. No. For decades, rich Uncle Pennybags, or Mr. Monopoly, has been the de facto mascot for Monopoly, a game that somehow made real estate exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Some insist Pennybags completes his top hat and business attire with a monocle, but it's not true. He's never worn one. Never worn one. So, So why do we even think that? Probably Mr. Peanut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're just putting those things. You know, that's that's this is an indictment on our memory in general. You know, <laughs> right. So Jiffy peanut butter. Jiff. It's Jiff. Oh, so you, OK. Jiffy. Yep. You've known that one. Yeah, OK. Yep. So it is Jiff peanut butter, not yep. Jiffy. Peanut you know, butter. it's Oscar Mayer. That, you know, I bet that Oscar came from Meyer. Jiffy Pop. I bet you. Yeah. I bet it did over time. Yeah. Lazy people. 
Jiffy peanut butter, Jiffy pop. Well, I know in my house, we, we take words and just totally bastardize them. Oh, I make up, you know, I make up a new word every day. I think that it's part of being a part of the Simpson generation. You're probably right on that. So the frowning Mona Lisa, I guess I didn't know that one. What did they say that she's frowning? Leonardo da Vinci's painting is among the most famous works of art in recorded history. So why do so many admirers insist that she's frowning instead of a smirk? I guess I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I always thought she had a pleasant look. Okay, now this one just blew my mind. Are you ready for this one? Okay, bring it. Do you remember Ed McMahon? Yeah. He was the sidekick on Johnny, Johnny Carson. Carson. Yeah. But most people remember him from the sweepstakes. Oh, that's right. Show up at Publishing, the door. Publishing Clearinghouse. Clearinghouse sweepstake. Yeah. Shows up and gives a check. Yeah. He never did that. He himself never did that. Was he associated with it at all? He was never on prize patrol. So what? <laughs> no, he was just a spokesman. Oh, okay. Well, so there was some connection. There was. Yeah. How many of those did you win? I remember winning at least two or three of those back in the day. I did Money not. Express. Remember? You'd get the check. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I used to get my name in labels. Oh, yeah. The free the labels. Seals. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> What's the C-3PO's golden moment? This is weird, right? Have you seen this one? Yeah. So the robot isn't all gold. He has one silver piece on his right leg. So yeah. Okay. I'm not really into that one i guess i'm gonna have to go watch star wars again well that one just i didn't really know yeah. that we're getting that down to it you know what i'm saying yeah it's a little well you know it's like uh beam me up scotty never said in the show it's on bumper stickers it's like one of the most famous apocryphal lines probably in american culture one mandela effect i do know and I do remember from my film editing class back in college. Hippie. Was, uh, <laughs> that's funny, actually. Uh, do you remember what Darth Vader says to Luke? I am your father. Most people say the Mandela effect is, Luke, I am your father. Mm -hmm. When in reality, he says, no. I am your father. No, I am your father. Right. Yeah. And when, no, that's impossible. <laughs> you think I saw that movie a couple of times as a kid? <laughs> you probably did. Yeah. Some may think that Smokey the Bear is actually the name of the famous bear informing us that we could prevent forest fires when actually... The lovable park ranger bear is simply named Smokey Bear. Smokey Bear. See, people put the in there. Yeah. Which, again, I that's think that's kind common, of nitpicky, though, right? to yeah. be honest, you know, yeah. and I'm kind of looking at these. And then, of course, there's Hello Cl Clarice. He never said that. Right. He just says, good morning. Clarice. And these Mandela effects, you know, I'm what I'm really curious about with the The man. real famous one I hear about is the Sinbad one. Have you heard about that one? No. What's that one? So, the... Several people can attest that they distinctly remember seeing the comedian in a movie called Shazam. Many argue they're confusing this memory with the movie Kazam starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie. <laughs> but there is, I've, I've seen it. I've even seen mock posters for it. But yeah, there's this belief that he was in a movie that never existed. And who's this? This is uh, uh, Sinbad, the comedian. Now I wonder if he's asking for residuals. Okay. Yeah, I guess I never knew that. Yeah, it's one of the more famous ones in this country anyway. 
Okay. Well, I mean, there's all kinds of different ones that are coming. But I, I think what's interesting, in my opinion, is how they start. Mm-hmm. And I think the way it starts is just what people are lazy or people just kind of memories fuzzy man yeah and and what just gets me is over time how they just capture and and come on and on and on and and that sort of thing like i said the mikey one with with pop rocks well you know almost every example we gave today we're talking pre-internet pre-social media time you think about how you know quotes like from that albert einstein right you see memes all the time now with a quote well you really can't know for sure. You know, you, you need to dig deeper. It's like there's the there's a ton of information out there now, but it's more suspect than it ever has been. I'm sorry. I just pulled away for a second because you've heard of Northrop Grumman, right? Oh, yeah. The big defense contractor. Big defense contractor. They actually have a page on their website at now.northropgrumman.com. Mm-hmm. What is the Mandela effect? That's how much it impacts society that the defense contractor is like saying, okay, people, you need to educate yourself on what this is. Well, you know, (laughs) so I wonder if the Mandela effect is like how you're able to, how people are able to be manipulated by media or propaganda. You know, it doesn't, I mean, and if that's the case, then that must be something that's been studied for decades, right? How do you get people to associate and create false memories? Well, I'm sure there's a lot to do with the JFK assassination. Mm-hmm. I'm sure 9-11 probably has its Mandela effects coming out now. And then even last weekend in Washington, D.C., between that, that guy dressed like a buffalo and the other guy c- clicking his heels up on mm-hmm. Pelosi's desk, and then you've got just shots being fired and all this other stuff, you're going to have all kinds of Mandela effects coming out of this. Oh, yeah. That is just going to be some sort of new truth. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about, have you seen some of these deep fake videos? No. No. You should look it on YouTube. They're really interesting where they'll take either, say, like Nicolas Cage and they'll turn him into Indiana Jones convincingly, digitally, in the movie. Or in the one I just watched where they took Carrie Fisher and deep faked her into one of the new Star Wars movies, but as a younger Carrie Fisher, it looks way better than the effect that the movie actually used. So you've got the ability just on a entertainment level to really make you have to go, did I just see what I just saw? And when you start to have to question that, everything is suspect. I think that's the real, real concern. Oh, I just realized how much I contribute to that now that we're talking because listen, man, I'm pretty sarcastic out Mm -hmm. in the regular world. And what I like to do is you ever seen idiocracy? Oh yeah. Okay. It's like a documentary now. And that's how I refer to it. (laughs) Like just in a regular voice though, I'll be like, yeah, I saw this documentary idiocracy, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And every now and then someone will kind of but other people that's what they probably think yeah and stephen colbert when he came out with his character for like a year there was a big part of the population that thought he was real Mm -hmm. like they thought he was a real character they thought he was a real conservative commentator right when he was doing satire and people didn't understand that so it there's you know he was satire when he came out and now that character is mainstream Oh, yeah. 
And that goes to what That's we talked about. That's an appropriate way to act in public. Right. But we talked about that in, in our pilot episode, yep. which is that, you know, we're a product of the Homer Simpson generation. So we have a bunch of dads trying to out-homer each other. Mm-hmm. I can be lazier than you. I can drink and crush beer cans better than I can, you know, with my stomach yeah. than you. Yeah. And we've the, turned it like we've, we have turned a lack of curiosity into like a Zen thing. Right. And then you've got this generation that was just out in D.C. for for example, that's coming out of that late 90s rage against the machine generation that was just, it was extreme. That was our generation. Yeah, but we were more, yeah, but not in the same way. Yeah. I mean, we were we were actually our imprinting was more He-Man and G.I. Joe cartoons that actually revolved around a moral. Mm -hmm. So the moral of the story was the journey itself. Right. He-Man, the quest was inside you all along. <laughs> you know, now it's just like, how can I get the gold? Yeah. How can I kill the hookers on Grand Theft Auto? Yep. That's what the new cartoons are. The the old ones used to, like I said, at the end, they were pretty pretty upfront. Like, they'd say, on today's lesson. Oh, you remember G.I. Joe? Yeah. No is half the battle gi joe man and he man would super friends had one like that yeah orko learned about being selfish (laughs) and because of his selfishness man at arms almost got killed yeah i mean they would go into real life things though and show the impact of selfish behavior and we turned it into a virtue in a lot of ways and go have you have you ever seen the disney channel oh yeah that's just the bitch channel. And I mean, just people bitching. Just bitching. People just complaining about yeah. how their life sucks. Yeah. I watched a few shows one day when we were at a hotel, and I'm like, wow. You mean like the actual sitcom type shows? They Whatever got? the Saved yeah. by the Bell stuff is. Yeah. yeah the, right. Not yeah. the cartoons, but yeah. the actors. Complaining about their life while living in like a, a 3000 a month flat in New exactly. York or something <laughs> like that. Can you- Yeah, the out-of-work journalist that only has one servant, yeah. I mean, that type of stuff. Yeah, I can really relate. (laughs) I thought, well, this is interesting that they're training kids like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, remember our days, we thought Zach Morris having a cell phone was like it. Yeah, that was the pinnacle. That was huge. Right, yeah. That guy had communication. To who? I remember my grandfather was a real estate agent. He had a car phone. Now that in his Jaguar, in the trunk. Was, no, no. When he was, had, uh, he had one of those car phones. It was, it was okay. between the seats. Yes. Yep. I've it, seen those. It was a, I was an option. I think with the car. Yeah. I only saw him use it once or twice, but man, that was the future. That would have been like eighty-eight, something like that. That's posh. That was. That's posh. what that is, that man. Is posh. That's that's like that's Clooney. what I wanted. That's Clooney, yeah. man. That's just. <laughs> I mean, that's not imagine growing up in the seventies and eighties with all this money. You didn't have any fun tech toys nowadays. There's all kinds of fun stuff to spend money on. Oh, I know. I I ordered grappling hooks the other day just because. Just because. Because well, as a kid, I always wanted like throwing stars and ninja stuff. Yeah, so I thought, you know what? I, I do a lot of hiking. So I'll start with a grappling, grappling hook, hook and see where that goes. Hey, man, that's great for climbing, zombies, you name it. Well, I'm going to spend some time in Colorado, Wyoming, and the Black Hills this mm-hmm. summer like I always do. And hey, man, who knows? You know, but now that I got Frackleberry Hound, um, uh, hiking will be a little bit more difficult. Yeah, but I think this is going to be a good year to get out and get away. I do too. Um, so to wrap up, though, with the Mandela effect, maybe we should t- check out what Northern Grumman has to say. Tricks the uh, blah blah blah. 
tricks the brain plays. All right, and we got to wrap up here in 30 seconds. So mass confibulation and the Mandela effect point to the subtleties of how the human mind works. In the case of Bernstein bears, Bernstein is much more common word ending than stain. Chances are that many of us never noticed the actual spelling until it was brought to our attention. And that's all it is. It's it's down to laziness. It's it's the low hanging fruit of the brain. Right. Much easier that way to go with it. That's why we're down to emojis and texts and everything else. Is we like be- our ruts. We like our consistency. Low hanging fruit, man. Low-hanging fruit, Path yeah. of least resistance. That's that's one one thing that herds of humans do. Well, you know, it works in nature too. You know, water's lazy, gas is lazy. It's just looking for the path of least resistance. All right, we got to take a brief pause and we come back. We've got emails and texts right here on the Crude Life Media Network. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The industrial forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest if you're interested in sustainable forests growing industry jobs check out the industrialforest.com that's the industrialforest.com play hard work hard now let's play hard Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. Oh, Frackleberry Hound made it back to the studio. Yay, Frackleberry Hound, the mascot of the program. Shouldn't want to miss this segment. That is Sterling. My name is Jason Spies. This segment is emails, texts, and Pony Express. And let's start off with the Pony Express because you wanted to mention the AE partners. You felt you robbed them of their time during our social media scream <laughs> because our social media shout just isn't enough. We got to scream. So, well, everybody's shouting on social media, so we're going to scream. Why don't we do like power whispering? The social media power <laughs> whisper of the day. I like that, by the way. Hey, partners. Have I ever told you my idea for the cup, uh, bowl of chili? Hmm. The above average chili? The above average chili. So that's that's how you advertise <laughs> it as the above average chili, but then you make it priced so good mm-hmm. that people order it no matter what. Is that okay? like no-name steak idea? Oh, no. No-name steaks are expensive. Yeah. That's, I mean, they're, well, they're not expensive, but, you know, they're, they're on a higher end, okay? okay? And... 
what you do is say bowl of chili three bucks and anybody who gets a bowl of chili for three dollars is not going to complain about mm, anything chili. because normally a bowl of chili now is twenty five dollars and you have to give a second mortgage wow i mean well prices have gone up yeah, is what i'm saying chili out for a while so what you do with instead of bragging that you're the world's best is you price point something that is that entry level easy you mm-hmm. know and call it above average oh. okay but more importantly you get the service staff so when people say, oh, that was great. No, no. No, no. It was above average. It was above average. So that's, you just keep hammering <laughs> home like, oh, no, don't. Hey, we don't want expectations to get too no, out of control no. here. Mediocre. This $3 yeah. bowl of chili is above average, <laughs> and that's where we're keeping it. Well, there's a certain quality to quantity, you know? <laughs> exactly. And some people just want comfort food. Yeah, exactly. And so anyway, that's always been my idea for uh, if I ever open a restaurant, I want to have like the $3 the chili above bowl. average soup or the above average pasta bowl or the above average I can average see you doing your own Bob's Burgers chili. type of thing, you know? Well, I did a food truck. Yeah, I could, well, yeah, I know, but yeah. I could see you doing like the witty names for, for, you know, for entrees and stuff like that. One of the most popular menu items we had mm-hmm. at the Rolling Stove Food Truck. It's a good name. The Herald Ham. The Herald Ham. The Herald Ham. Was that a hamburger? Was no, it, it was a ham a, sandwich? Was it was a ham sandwich, ham and cheese mm. on a 10-inch no preservative, fresh baked bun. That was our secret. We had fresh baked bread from the breadsmith. Nice. And no preservatives. We actually had people show up to our food truck just to buy the bread. Just to have the bread. Frackleberry Hound really, really wants, wants to, to play. Be a part of the show right now. Well, we should probably get to the. AE Partners. Yeah, hey, we got this awesome package in the mail here from AE Partners. This is coming to us from Miami, Texas, and uh, we got this incredible swag. We got this awesome hat, really nice, and a shirt and a sticker. This is from Matt Cruz at AE Partners. We want to thank them here, their contract field, operations support, and permanent hiring solutions. Also want to thank Blackwater Environmental, our sponsor of the day. Blackwater Environmental is a family-owned company, and if you go to thecrudelife.com on the show page. We have all the links available for these specific sponsors. We're also going to have pictures of that. We're going to take the 40-foot directional driller, yesterday's sponsor, carry over their sponsorship to from today and measure Measure the hat circumference. I think we'll measure the shirt today. Okay. We'll measure the shirt that was given to us from AE Partners. Okay, now let's get to the texts portion no this was an email we got yeah, we got an email an email studio from, uh, at the crudelife.com studio at the crudelife.com and we'll um certainly talk about it on your yeah and we got a good one in today this is from uh, marcellus mike now that biden has won the election what do you think will happen to oil and gas by the way preview coming up edwin and lisa are going to join us in the second hour on the work hard portion to talk about their experience in washington dc uh what happened what they observed i'm going to take it in a very sterile uh very non-political approach and just try to uh just basically allow their eyes to orate what they saw basically so yeah first time to count um but getting back to the question you know i find it very interesting um i'd like to know your opinion first before i get into my little soapbox (laughs) about the the question was again the question was again what do you think will happen to oil and gas now that biden has won the election okay And do you have a thought before I get into mine? You know, I mean, 
I've got personal thoughts. I've got the thoughts of, uh, you know, what has been said that apparently will be part of the Biden energy platform. But, you know, I think that uh, like the stock market, like everything else, it's you need to sort of just relax and see what actually is going to happen. You don't think that the market's going to shut down January 21st? Yeah, I think actually that's probably the plan. The 21st will turn off all the gas and the heat. And uh, yeah, I'm expecting that we'll all freeze to death by Mm -hmm. the end of January. But that's my optimistic expectation that's the optimistic yeah, because that's, that's if the, he's gonna end fossil fuels day one it's gonna be hard to haul solar panels without they haven't started have they <laughs> we've seen the solar pa- or the uh wind turbines with yeah the, with the yeah. police escorts Man, see them on the highway more yeah. and more nowadays yeah things got to be like 200 feet long but okay so we'll start with the ridiculous mm-hmm. which is we're gonna end fossil fuels yeah okay so shutting it down he flat out brought in the Bernie Sanders and the Elizabeth Warren and the AOC language into his president's presidential campaign. Yeah. Which was he's going to end fossil fuels. And then he pulled back. Correct? Well, you know, I mean, a transition. It sort of depends on, you know, what news source you look at. But transition is what. But originally he said end. Yeah. For several days and then he switched it. Well, you know, they're talking about one of the the parts of the platform is being basically no more carbon use of for energy generation by 2035. Right. So what is that? A decade and a little change. So that's that's at the top of the list. That's, that's everything else is kind of uh, irrelevant as far as I'm concerned, because if that's the goal, that sort of self explains. Yeah. The idea is transitioning. Right. You know, whether or not you agree with transitioning or not, and I'm guessing most people listening to this don't the idea of doing it like in 10 years or 15 years, does that seem does that seem doable to you? I think that sounds a little crash course to me. That does seem a little. I mean, you know, like we went to the moon in that less than that time. That's cool, you know, but we're talking about basically going from a civilization based on power that's been generated for over 100 years to something completely different. Very interesting you bring up that moon paradox uh, because it, sorry, the, the moon example, because it does become a paradox, which is that when you're looking at what the moon landing did, it was, it was much like the Hoover Dam where you had these big giant projects where the whole country got behind it, okay? Mm-hmm. But what the transition is calling for is a social change as well as a economic change. Yeah. The moon and the Hoover Dam were economic more than anything. I mean, it was jobs, it was you know research. There isn't, wasn't a lot of social part of it you know now you're talking about transitioning away from you know siding and plastic bottles and reusables recycling tree planting you know a, a new esg terminology going into the world of business and corporate america so we're talking about a social change in addition to the economic that's why i think this is so different that stuff seems positive to me though right i mean that seems like where the best fundamental change comes from is from companies making the decision to start being better about the types of materials they're using or the packaging. I mean, all that stuff, that's practical. That affects you and me every day. That's the type of stuff that can make a difference. Right. But the part that I'm getting back to, though, is that I do think a lot of what Biden represents is the symbolism for how the average person treats the fossil fuel industry or the oil and gas industry specifically, which is, Okay, I'm walking in with this platitude of an idea, which is, I'm going to end it. 
well, then after a couple of days of the reality of it, okay, now I'm going to transition out of it. Right. And to me, that's, that, that is a great education moment to say to somebody, okay, when you're going in blindly like you are, it's more attitude than intelligence. Yeah. That's, and it's posture, it's rhetoric, it's... Yeah, but that's know, dangerous. It's what, yeah, it, it's all... And I think I think we've spent the last couple of months, years, whatever, learning that throwing out words is easy, but the consequences of them can be long-term. And I, and I think yesterday, yesterday in our news... Oh, Frackle. see, Frackleberry Hound doesn't like it either. No, no. She's got an opinion. Climate activists on the, on the porch. That's, what it's, <laughs> that's why she's here, folks. Yeah. But I was going to bring up yesterday's news story which in, involved that climate activist group, uh, Earth First. Oh, that shut down uh, in Aspen, I think it right. was. Yeah. And there's a great example of, yeah. of, of where we are mm -hmm. because of that attitude first mm -hmm. without intelligence. Okay, boom, fossil fuels are so bad, they're killing babies. I'm going to stop heat in 4,500 homes. Right. What's the statement? That's the thing That's I what I'm get. saying. Right. Yeah. And it, because it does really come down to what we think about as terrorism, which is to make people afraid or to break down a system so that it's no longer trustworthy so that's how i took biden's initial interpretation of what he was going to do with the it's oil politics. and gas you know, if he had stood up and said what he probably wanted to say which is oil and gas is going to be with us beyond my lifetime and probably my grandchildren's lifetime and my kids got a company too right doesn't his kid <laughs> well, get a company in dude, the, every, overseas yeah i would guess anybody <laughs> that's involved in washington is probably got oil and gas ties right they've got they've got they've got their own agendas you know we talk about the moon thing just real yeah. quick right that was a, a, a wide base pyramid effort to get three people to the moon mm -hmm. and two of them to land on it. What we're talking about is the reverse of that. We're talking about starting at the top with the government saying it and expecting to be able to disperse that down to an entire civilization, society, right? right? Much harder challenge. I don't know how you do it. I, I think if they would have embraced the natural gas mm -hmm. part of this, which a lot of the people at the core have, Okay, I mean, when you talk to Tony Clark, who was the former head of FERC, mm -hmm. okay, I've, I've gone fishing with the guy before, okay, on openers here in Minnesota. Nice. And yeah, and well, he's a high school friend. Mm -hmm. And that's what he would say, Jason. Jason, uh, the natural gas is the foundation for the next 20, 30 foreseeable future. Yeah, and that's what and, I've heard is it's, it's the future. It is yeah, the future. And he says, the, but it's also the wild card. Yeah. So it's the foundation and it's the wild card. And that's an interesting interesting position to be in mm -hmm. and you almost wish for me i wish that a lot of the leadership would have taken that approach to be like okay folks oil and gas ain't going anywhere and it keeps getting cleaner and cleaner and cleaner and here's how it is going to bridge us to this next world we all dream of and we haven't even gotten to the conclusion that we all dream of the same world no. okay we have a whole generation of people that believe the world should be like houston texas or you know uh, blade runner which is right. a very well, it is. that was a futuristic yeah, yeah. where it was very organized yeah but very dystopian dystopian I mean, yeah. but, but hover cars right well Okay, I would accept hover cars. You know, maybe there's tubes. Yeah. That type of thing. But anyway, it was it was very planned. Yeah. Okay, but it was the betterment of society, okay? Mm -hmm. Now you take the flip side of that, Silicon Valley. 
that's just a bunch of hodgepodge. Mm-hmm. So we haven't even figured out which one we want to do yet there. Well, there, you know, that comes the advantage and disadvantage of being a free market economy is that there's no s- significant state effort saying you have to do this. You have to research this. You can only do that. You know, we get our regulations and stuff, but you go to a place like China, they can direct this is the way we want to research things. They can they can take their Silicon Valley and make it all one and work towards a purpose. The one thing I do believe, though, that uh, to get back to the text, mm-hmm. no, it was an email. To get back to the email that came in from, was it Marcellus Mike? Yeah, Marcellus Mike. At studio at thecrudelife.com is I think that there will be a little bit more discussion and I don't know how much of a rise, but I knew there. I know there will be more discussion about the ESG movement, the environmental social governance movement, because that's the kind of workaround and the back door to getting the oil and gas companies to change. Yeah, because the ESG movement is tied to government pension plans and it's tied to state budgets and that sort of thing. So they're really doing a kind of corralling of, of the people around. I, I'm, that's, that's like four metaphors there that just... Yeah, but it sounds like they've given themselves a position to throttle the power there to build a... Don't, that's yeah. what I'm saying. They've, they've got a lot of ammunition. Yeah. And it's like the corralling the troops type of a thing to where... Circling the wagons. That's what I mean. You know, when, when you get down to it, I think what the question is, is like, no, I don't think anybody really believes January 21st, the gas is going to be shut off and the oil won't flow and we won't do fracking anymore. You know, and all this stuff i mean just from a political point of view we got an election in two years really good chance republicans take back the house in four years another presidential election the way things keep whipsawing back and forth it's like president trump removed a lot of regulations epa regulations Mm -hmm. opened up uh, private public lands to drilling and stuff like that so biden comes in he can take a lot of that away let's say we get another republican administration in four years they can do that so it's like it's just seesaws. Nothing's ever really happening, you know? So I think there's going to be gradual progress towards eliminating oil and gas, and there's going to be steps back towards regulations. Oh, boy. I hope you're wrong. But well, yeah, but I mean, do you honestly, no. shy of somebody stepping in and saying, this is how it's going to be, listen to me. It's just going to keep doing this back and forth. No, I, I, I see what you're saying, and that's that's where I'm there. I mean, you know, Senator Kramer was on the program saying, you know, if, if, if we keep going the direction we're going, we're going to have four four oil and gas companies controlling it for the globe. Yeah. Four. Okay, so that's not you t- saying it. No. It's not me saying it. It's U.S. Senator Kramer. Somebody who, who knows a hell of a lot more about what's going on. In totally. That. So this isn't chicken little here. No. This is saying, you know what, guys? We just called a spade a spade. You got to wake up because it is the crude life morning show. <laughs> I'm awake now. <laughs> Boy, how was that transition? Boy. I am too. I'm not drinking any coffee. I've had 40 <laughs> cups already this morning. And my that, that well, this is exciting stuff. I mean, we're talking about, you know, uh, jobs, right? That's what it all comes down to, to people like us. Oh, and lifestyle too. Yeah, I it mean, comes down to that. But I mean, it's oh, like, I think it's much deeper. You ready for my deep? Right, and we got, let's we, go. Okay, we got 20 we, we seconds. Got, well, we got a minute and a half. Okay, give it. The reason I am attracted to the oil and gas industry is because I truly love opportunity and I really do like the way that capitalism works at its core. Yeah. Okay. I love the fact that you can go into a place and assess the market, allow the free market to make money 
and then give back to the community as a way to say thank you for allowing me to make money. And really, it's a great little symbiotic relationship that, if done correctly, works beautifully. Yeah. Okay. Plus, you're transforming the earth and creating energy. That's pretty damn cool. You're recycling everything. <laughs> At the end of the day, you really are. Yeah. You really are if you allow the free market to work in itself. The oil and gas industry is the only industry in my lifetime I've seen that happen. Now, I grew up in ag, subsidized before I was born. Right. Subsidized from before I was born. Yeah. We okay. don't even talk about that very much, do we? Oh, the, 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 the ag millionaires were mm-hmm. handpicked before I was born. Okay. My dad was a postmaster, so we <laughs> he was the one giving out the checks. Right, yeah. He wasn't the one yeah. cashing them. for him. Yeah, exactly. right, exactly. Yeah. Sure heard about it a lot at yeah, dinner, though. I'm sure. So-and-so got three checks yeah, today. No kidding. Oh, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, he would have known who was getting what. Yeah, Absolutely, because the envelopes look the same. <laughs> oh, trust me. It's, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the postmaster knows more than people know oh, about. Oh, yeah, they know what you're getting. It's kind of like the janitor at the... Right, in uh, Breakfast Club. <laughs> the janitor knows all. <laughs> <laughs> so, anywho, says any owl. Uh, where was I going with this story? No, but you got about 20 seconds. I know, that's right. I'm, ho- I'm hoping I can wrap her up here. future. Wait, where did I lose track on that story? Oh, gosh, I think we'd have to go back a couple of minutes. <laughs> I don't think we actually really answered this question. I think we're going to have to come back and talk about it some more. We're going to have to because I was looking at the clock, so I totally lost <laughs> I lost my train of thought because we sidebarred it. That's what we do here at the yeah, Food Life uh, it's Show. It's a gorilla show. Play hard, work hard. All right, folks, we got to take a break. I'm sorry to do that with the story. Half of you are thanking me, I know, because yeah. he's like, shut the heck up and go to a commercial. <laughs> the other half have moved on. All right, we'll see you on the flip side, folks. Jason Space. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomena. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can see for my 20 companies, they take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good 
show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Speece, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Speece. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> Play hard, work hard. To the crude life morning show play hard work hard we played a little too hard in the last segment which is good because we got a little heavy yep with the biden talk yep. and then we got into tangent you know, heavy the, the ta- well right and then <laughs> growing up on on the as a son of a postmaster you know here in the dirty secrets yeah, we lost the thread but we found it and but getting back to the whole capitalism part by the way that's sterling my name is jason Spees. this is the crude life morning show we got just a few minutes till we're going to pass it off to edwin and lisa and talk a little bit about what happened in washington dc firsthand account we're going to be working hard a little more serious in the so we're getting all the yeah. angst out of us Probably here first on some but pants too the, the reason that i love oil and gas and the reason that it attracted me to it was because to me that was the last place i saw opportunity okay i was a paper boy so at age 10 I was going door to door selling newspapers, delivering newspapers, collecting money. I was a 1099 employee mm-hmm. at age 10, okay? And then I figured out, boy, you know what? If I put a sheet of paper on all these doors I go door to door on, say it, I'll mow your lawn. You see what I mean? Yeah, so multiple streams of revenue. Yeah, I, I figured all this stuff out when I was a kid. Yeah. And so I hadn't ever saw that until I went into the oil and gas industry. So just writ large. Just... <laughs> Just an industry that allowed capitalism to work the best they could. Well, you look about what's going on with Bitcoin and the and the fat using the flare gas to power the machinery to do the Bitcoin. That's uh, that's a whole thing out of energy nobody would have thought of five years ago. And that is a great example of a smart, clever capitalist yeah. figuring out a way to capture a share of the market and do. Yeah, do a positive service. Understanding okay? the logistics, but the negative is is that the, the the no's are because of regulation. Yeah, it's always because of a good old boy network and a regulation and the, how they're tied together. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's always the obstacles that they always are running into. Okay, so therefore that doesn't allow the free market to work, and that's my problem with what's happening more and more and more. Okay, now in the tech world, I'd love to give this example: Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with him. Yes, I well, not personally, but yeah. Steve Wozniak. Yep. They created Apple computers, mm-hmm. okay? Steve Wozniak worked part-time at Hewlett-Packard, mm-hmm. okay, on the weekends. The intellectual property laws were so stringent for part-time employees back in the 70s that Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs had to ask permission from Hewlett-Packard whether they could start Apple Computer. Because of what Wozniak's eyeballs saw on the floor and right. all that. Proprietary. Yeah. Intellectual yeah. property, dude. Yep. So I grew up in ag where it was subsidized before I was born. Mm. Grew up in tech, okay, which 
intellectual property and reverse engineering is the norm. Yeah, it's like the Wild West, basically. Well, no, if, if, you, if you're at the top, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, if you got monies and lawyers and startup IPOs and connections, that's mm-hmm. what you need to survive in that game. Yeah, uh, The buy-in is way too big. And then so then you, know, you go to oil and gas. Well, that was the only thing where I saw that a guy without a high school education who's working on a rig for 10 years who's figured out a way to make that vibrating tube go twice as fast for twice as cheap, mm-hmm. can then go to his actual employer, pitch him the idea, and the employer doesn't steal it. Right. In fact, the employer says, you know what, Tiny? That's a really good idea. In fact, if you can figure out a way to secure your company, we'll be your first customer. Nice. That's what I love about yeah. oil and gas. Well, it's looking for that innovation, that next Because step. it's better for them. Yeah, exactly. It's good business. It's good right? business. Yeah, if you're making and the job easier for us. And, yeah. you're, and you're bettering Tiny's life because yeah. now Tiny has control of his destiny yeah. and he has control of his family's well-being, you know? And so the when, when the government starts coming in and controlling the marketplace, well, so many people like Tiny are connected to one or two oil and gas companies that they literally can be without work overnight. Yeah. That's why the boom bust sucks. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's no backup. There's no plan B for that. But, right. Yeah. And a lot of these people, they start up small businesses so that they can actually be available for their family. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that the oil and gas industry does. They don't talk about it. They actually do it. Yeah, they might talk about it, but they do it. Yeah, a lot of other companies, bankers, uh, marketing companies, uh, ag, um, technology—they do all kinds of great commercials that show how family-oriented it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you got to be there at the nights and the weekends and work ninety hours a week. That's not the way the oil and gas industry is. The well, oil and gas industry is: if you're working ninety hours a week, after two weeks, go take two weeks off. Huh. Well, they do right. Well, it's I mean, kind of like a surge work job. You it's know, like you they know how to work hard, play burst hard. working. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you almost think, yeah, that's where it comes from. Anyway, sorry to go. Uh, I interrupted you. Go on with your story. No, I was just thinking about, um, you know, how they, they talk about, I'm completely losing my thread right now. You made me, you made me totally lose it. Well, I'm sorry about the work hard, play hard <laughs> tie-in, but that was because I'm a, you know, I'm a veteran in this, so I can. Well, I was just, okay, yeah, what I was thinking is in the oil and gas industry, you've got such a diverse group of people. You've got people that are driving trucks all the way up to people that are in the offices making mm-hmm. the big decisions, right? So you've got every community in this country represented on some level, you know? That's something you don't see outside of, well, you know, maybe government, maybe ag, you know, that but kind of stuff. The, but my, uh, yeah, just real quick, my question for you is, because I'm really curious. So you, we've got government regulation on one side as a potential bad thing. And we've got the consolidation of the oil and gas industry into maybe three or four companies. Neither sounds like a good end game, mm-hmm. right? So what's the, how do you, it sounds like you're almost going to have to balance one against the other, right? To be yeah. successful. Well, or you get rid of both. Well, how do you, I mean, that's the thing. How do you become a small operator in this field? The Bitcoin is a great example. I mean, obviously they had startup money or they had an existing business to be able to, to yep. move into that. But, uh, you know, how does, how does Tiny, out of the blue, get into the oil and gas industry as a small operator? How do you do that? It's very difficult to even get into a business nowadays because the buy-in is pretty big. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I give the example of a nonprofit a lot of times. Okay. Like I, every now and then I'll get a call from somebody that'll ask me, 
if I can help them talk through or consult or something to do with a nonprofit. And I have the same same question every time, okay? You know, like, do you want to work 90 hours a week mm-hmm. for little pay and little gratitude? Do you love the cause that much? And then there's a pause. And then to say, because that's what you're going to do, or the alternative is mm-hmm. you need to have a full-time executive director whose sole job is to wine and dine rich people. To get you that money. To, to go, to go, to go get money. That money. Yeah. And secondly... You need a good grant writer. Mm-hmm. So now you've got an executive, six figures executive. You've got a grant writer. And then you also need a, like a secretary or an office administrator or an office manager, if you will, to support the other two. And so I tell people that if you're a nonprofit and you don't have those three things when you're starting out, mm-hmm. Well, your competition already does. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the idea of like you and I starting a, a MPO versus say like UNICEF, you know, yeah. or something like that. I have friends that work with various MPOs around the world and none of them work for free. No. And that's why so little amount of money goes to the actual cause yeah. is because you need to have such a giant infrastructure in the nonprofit world that all the money goes to feeding that could do a whole segment on that. Cause you've encountered running into that kind of resistance yourself where with the forest, well, they've got a mechanism where we don't even know how to talk to you unless you are a nonprofit. Right. Right. We don't even have a corporate mechanism to say we can work with you because you're not an MPO. So you take that to the business level. I think that there's just some similarities there because when you start thinking about insurances and fees and and all these different filings that you have to you have to do, mm-hmm. you know, and if you want to trademark your name and all these different things, you know, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars. But when you transition it to the to the business part, you know, the buy-in is, is pretty big now. So um, when when you look at the strategy behind how to compete in today's world, it, it does get a little bit difficult, you know, for the average business to do that yeah. to the tune to where, you know, we've mentioned this before with the PPP and the last year where basically they said a franchise is the same as a local restaurant. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a subway is the same as a, you know, a local franchise, a local diner. Right. Except the subway could stay open. Well, and, and also the subway gets franchise discounts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then also, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers were considered small business. And Tom Brady's businesses were considered yeah, small business. They got a couple million dollars. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's a whole sea of change yeah. that's happened. Yeah. And getting back to the, the reason about the oil and gas industry, though, <laughs> as far as, you know, the reason I love it. And I'm afraid that the bigger picture is I see this erosion happening, which is it is that capitalism thing. So. I look at the oil and gas industry as the last bastion for capitalism, and they do such a good job of community building. You saw it firsthand, mm-hmm. okay? You lived in Daharan, okay, where it was all employees. Yeah, everybody that lived there worked for the company in some capacity, either directly or supporting the people that worked there. And that's why you're such an interesting duck in this whole thing, <laughs> is because, well, seriously, because literally your community was the service staff and supply chain 
of an economy of oil and gas. It existed for that entire purpose. Because of but the yep. whole economy yep. was was that oil and gas company. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like out in Philadelphia, they got a whole town of Pfizer. Right. You know, people yeah. that are on Pfizer drugs. Yeah. Yep. That's low income. <laughs> Such a different deal there. But Apple was trying to create a community where mm. it was all, you know, it was a, a planned urban community of all Apple employees. Yeah. Google was trying to do the same thing. And I'm sure a lot of it templated from your from your compound. Yeah, there's you know as I understand it around the world, there's similar types of compounds in Indonesia and places like that. But you know in Saudi Arabia, Dahran is one of the more famous because it's large and it's been there for seventy some years. Yeah. But what I find interesting though is that the whole capitalism thing is your school teacher was because of the oil and gas economy. Exactly. That, and and you, like, you can't escape from that. No. Like when you grew up, even the most no, even the most liberal teacher I had in junior high was there because right of oil and gas. That's what I mean. Like no matter how liberal you were, yeah, yeah. you you yeah. you had to accept the fact that your job was literally one hundred percent powered by oil and gas. You know, and I, I don't remember ever that being. I an mean, that's issue. that's like a but, frontal, you know, that's like, thirty years ago. So I'm you know I imagine now there's probably different conversations that happen you know between the kids that live there and their parents you know but no i mean you took it as a matter of course we were all there because of oil and gas that's so crazy i mean (laughs) like so you're telling me that story first time i'm like we always talk about oil and gas communities but man you have a a little yours was just like no but yours is just like that's yeah you can't get any more every service you can imagine you know public buses <laughs> right you know well like if you go to some you know small oil and gas town mm-hmm. like 90 percent of it is the oil and gas economy right you know, but like, you still have your walmarts and your other stuff yeah into, that yeah. type of stuff yeah. but yours is like yeah, yeah. <laughs> no you went to the company store you went to the you went to the company <laughs> post office you went to the you know the company barber shop you know, yeah. they, they had barber shops. There. Well, it's like and we had like, Tiffany on yesterday. She does remote housing. It's like yeah. that, you yeah. know, where it's like, okay, you've got, you know, Aries Buildings. Well, that's an own little community because it's it's in the middle of nowhere and all it is is just a bunch of houses. I wanted to ask, uh, and maybe we'll get a chance to ask her, but the first place we lived when we moved to Saudi was an offsite camp, basically, until you'd been there for a while. They And it was all temporary housing. It was okay. called North Camp. So it was all, I lived in what was called a box. It was basically, you know, just a trailer. Yeah, for the first two years we lived there, uh, and then they transitioned us to camp. Craziness. Yeah. So, anyway, that is the to, to be continued part because we kind of lost our train of thought as Again. we were trying to make it up against the clock and everything yeah. else. There's a and, lot of tracks here. Well, we had four pilot shows and they went okay, and then yeah. we had a fifth pilot show we forgot to record. But it was a great show. It was the best was show the, ever. Man, yeah, your impersonations. It was, it was stellar. It was better than the finale of Sopranos. It was better than Cats. Well, that doesn't take much. <laughs> and so this is the conclusion of that, of the Joe Biden presidential interview, I yeah, guess, or I whatever guess, you want to call you know, it. I, the email. In the end, my message would be not to really freak out too much about it because it's a lot of rhetoric. My message is that I think that the regulation side of thing is playing a lot more into the future of oil and gas than I think a lot of people... No. And I bet the and, oil and gas company but, likes some stability. But it's not the traditional regulation, I think. It's, yeah. a, it's a different sort of social, social movement yeah. regulation that I don't think they're ready for. And that, that to me is where I think they need to think outside the box a little bit on things because no one has the right answer right no. now. And they got to find a way to talk to people like Greta. Oh, 
don't get started on. No, we better really, take it, but they really boss. do. I know. No, I know. I'm not sticking my head in the sand. I just <laughs> I'm looking at the clock, and I'm and I don't want to get right. another break yeah. in. And maybe so bubble gum of the mind or something for that one. Totally. All right, folks. That is Sterling. My name is Jason Spees. This is the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. We're still in hour number one, but not much longer. I carry what I need, baby. You, I can trust. Play hard, work hard is sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The Crude Life with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. If you want to look at America, you go to Permian and the Bakken, and, and that's what America should be, united as one. And that's exactly what we are. And, and then, you know, that's what I love about the oil and gas industry. One county in Kansas, one single county, produced 9% of the world's oil. That was oil that won World War One, As the British said from the floor of Parliament, the Allies floated to victory on a sea of oil. Works picked up here in the Permian Basin. Yeah, leadership really needs to take a look at how we've been doing things and constantly make changes in how we can do things better. Commodities are always, 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 any commodity business, whether it's milk or whether it's oil or whether it's apples, they always are boom or bust because the solution to low prices is high prices, the solution to high prices is, you know, is high prices. It's a big issue. You know, it's kind of red riding hood syndrome here. People making out the industry to be the big bad wolf. And on top of that, you know, you would get a nice increase in pay, as I'm sure most of us all know, when you move to oil field areas, you get a, a nice little bump in pay. After him and I having five margaritas over at the Cork and Pig, I called my boyfriend and I was like, hey, do you want to move to Texas? And he was like, yeah, when, when are we moving? <laughs> and honestly, we moved about a month after that. This oil and gas industry, I've met some of the best people I've ever met in my life doing this. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. Make sure that's close enough to you. All right, get that mic right up there. Thank you, Lisa. Edwin, how are you two doing today? Beautiful. Is it, is it the morning or evening? Well, it's the <laughs> evening now because we had to record this at a time when it was more appropriate based on your travel schedule of getting back from Washington, D.C., so you guys rolled in from town and spent a few days out there when the brouhaha and the melee broke out. Insurrection is the word they're throwing around, incidentally, which was the last WWF pay-per-view before they turned into WWE. little tidbit for you guys. Uh, that's how I know the word insurrection, by the way, is from the WWE. So you guys were out there in Washington, D.C. First question, obvious question, is, you know, why'd you go? Why did you guys go to Washington, D.C.? You traveled halfway across the, the, the country. Well, I guess for me, it was to go along with Edwin, but 
really to stand for freedom and truth. Um, if we can't get uh, truth in the courts, then we need to stand for it. We need to go out and take a stand for it peacefully. Mm-hmm. And before we left, we, you know, we had a conversation about it and that our purpose for going, you know, our unified consensus for going really was to take a stand for freedom and truth and to not enact in any aggressive, like it was very clear that we're not going out there to, to do anything other than just be present. Mm-hmm. Edwin, same reason. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a little bit, I mean, it's very similar. I agree with everything Lisa said, but, you know, our country's in trouble. And uh, we had a fraudulent election. Really, uh, you talk about insurrection and sedition. Our election was invalid this year. Presidential, state, state elections as well. Because of all the lax, uh, loosening, uh, unconstitutional loosening of uh, election law. And so we went out there to show support for the truth, like Lisa said, to show support for our representatives who were going to be contesting the, the election results uh, in Congress. And really to just show the rest of the world and the country that, hey, there are people, probably a good number of 500,000 or a million people that strongly believe America is in trouble and they're willing to take some action. How many people you, would you say that were there that you saw? You were there firsthand. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah we right, were there. Right, I mean, the it, was, step, it no, was... you did not go inside or did you? No, no. Okay, you we didn't, didn't storm well, we the didn't, castle? We didn't, we didn't storm the castle. Okay. Uh, but you, we, were you on we, the steps of the oh, castle? Oh, yeah, we, we went into some areas that you might say we probably weren't supposed to go, but okay. we, we, did, we were still on the exterior of the building. So we went into an area where it was a temporary setup for the inauguration on the 20th. So they had the temporary bleachers set up outside and this kind of this interesting layout, uh, almost like a, like a stadium, uh, a coliseum where you got the gladiators down in the gallery uh, battling it out and trying to kill each And they're already setting other. up for that, huh? Yeah, well, so we were on the west side. The um, breach, uh, violent bleach, breach happened on the east side well before, well before the, the crowd arrived. Uh, we, we, you know, we... It's a 30-minute walk clear when it's clear, but it was congestion. I mean, we were thousands and thousands. I mean, there's estimates anywhere between 250,000 to 500,000 people. Some people think, what, Lisa? Some people have said it was like two to three million. I mean, I don't know how you count. Like, it was such a sea of people. I couldn't yeah. even capture it all on my camera going four ways. You can't even capture it all. So. But, but as, we, uh, as we, you know, left the speech, President Trump was the last person to speak there was a whole morning of speakers but he was the last person to speak and um, as we left the, the speech to walk to the capitol going east from the washington monument there was just this whole sea of people and so you couldn't really walk that quickly uh, it took us two hours actually to get down there and so if you were down there immediately after trump had spoken or shortly before, you weren't you weren't really listening to his speech. You were there. You were going to go there to try to do something or try to, I don't know what you sure. what the point there was. There was a lot of people walking out in the middle. It was like he was in the middle of his speech, and it was like these people. Certain people were kind of starting to leave, and I didn't know if it was just getting long for them or what. But it, I thought it was kind of odd because you, I mean, you'd just see people, not not most of the people, but just certain people just start to leave, and then somebody had shouted out, "Antifa, go home." And there's like a string of people leaving the area. And so this is like in the middle of his speech. 
Um, so that was just one thing that seemed a bit odd that people were leaving in the middle of his speech. Did you guys hear anybody planning anything? Anybody saying, hey, let's go over here and let's do this and storm the castle here, that sort of thing? I mean, was there any verbal uh, cheerleading or, you know, um, recruiting, if you will? No, there, there wasn't any of that. In okay. fact, you know, there's some accusations that the president had incited the riot with his language, and that, there wasn't the case at all. There was nothing encouraging any violence or disruption or anything of that nature. It was all to walk down there and and uh, be peaceful show, and just make a stand. You're talking so, about the uh, Twitter Facebook tweet that got pulled off? That is that what you're referring to? No, there's this accusations that during his speech... That it's hard to keep did, up that, with yeah, all I the know. stuff being I fired know. at me. That's I why know. you two are here yeah. to <laughs> set the no, record straight. That he, that he instructed the crowd to to stand strong against the Democrats or something. Or oh, other. for yeah, real? Yeah, but that, that that's not the case. It was confused. It, that, that's not the true statement of what was said. What was, was the context? The, the context was, well, first of all, the instruction was to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue peacefully. And, oh, that's and actually what, what the stand, words were? To stand yeah. in front of the Capitol walk, or walk around the Capitol, it was not, he gave no instructions about sure. going into the Capitol or anything like that. Or he, it was just basically to make our presence known to stand in front of the Capitol. That was, that's what we heard. How about the uh, media darlings, the guy that put his feet up on Pelosi's desk or the uh, water buffalo Lodge, I mean, we Flintstone were, yeah. Lodge guy. Did you <laughs> did, did you get a chance to either talk to him, see them? Where I mean, the 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 water buffalo guy, he, he stood out in a crowd. Okay, the dude that put his and the dude is the only way to describe the guy who put his feet up on Pelosi's desk. That I know he's getting demonized, but I'm sorry, I don't. That, that to me, that's not political. That's a pretty cool Christmas card. <laughs> that's a pretty cool Christmas card. I don't care who you are, man. That's just that's a once in a lifetime opportunity, and he's on the FBI list now. But hey, he got that photo. So, anyways, jokes aside, did you get to see you know any of these true you know top antagonizers as the media is calling them? Did you see any of yeah. them? Yeah. The well, well, absolutely. Well, so there 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 were what we call provocateurs or okay. antagonizers sure. that were present. Now they didn't look like water buffalo man or the other gentleman from Arkansas that put his or his feet up on Pelosi's desk. But anyway, the, we did get a chance. I did get a chance to interact with water buffalo man, and the best way to describe it would be maybe a a cross between groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons and Mel Gibson from Braveheart. <laughs> that the guy was, uh, you know, he he was. Um, skilled at what he 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 he, he uh, was doing and that was to uh, try to inspire people with you know speeches on freedom and um, uh, liberty and uh, courage and so um, yeah you know obviously you know he's painted up blue and red face and so my an son yeah. my son came to me with a meme and it has the water buffalo guy with his face painted from, you know, with the, the Trump flag, the guy next to him, next to groundskeeper Willie dressed up in the Simpsons. So apparently, you know, according to my son's generation, he's 14. They thought it was funny because it was apparently some mimic or some um, spoof on the Simpsons. So the guy wasn't crazy. <laughs> you know, he was just mimicking the Simpsons. It, did he say that at all? Did you did you know that it was that? 
I don't know. I, I he, he took his he took his role pretty seriously. Okay. So he wasn't really joking around. I mean, he was he was like I said. You think put the image of Mel Gibson in Braveheart. Oh yeah. And that would be kind of the character he was in. You know, oh, he pretty, was in that character. Pretty intense, courageous, inspirational. Speaking of freedom and courage and liberties and yeah. Taking that's, I suppose, a groundskeeper Willie because he had the same kind of uh, background. From but, Did, but just to add yeah, to ahead. everything is that there was a whole mix of people there. I mean, we had there was Chinese people there. Mm-hmm. There was people from China who were protesting the CCP and stopccp.com and getting petitions. In fact, there were three different groups of Chinese people we met. CCP as in yeah. Russia. The Chinese, Chinese Communist, Communist Party. Party. Yep, okay. absolutely. But I think it stands for something else. But anyway, CCP, Stop CCP groups, several of them, different ones from different... Uh, I'm sorry, I just uh, haven't yeah. heard that since the old Soviet Union days. When the CCP, yeah. That's the only last time I've even heard of it. And so... Um, we had groups there that were uh, from Vietnam. They were flying the Vietnamese flag. And too. they were actually warning us that they're, the CCP, these Asians from China and Vietnam, like they're basically warning Americans of this. Like they see it. Because they... The dangers of socialism. Yep. They see it here in this country, so they're trying to stop it in their country and also prevent it from coming here. Hmm. Interesting. And there were, uh, you know, African Americans and Hispanic, Latino peoples that, uh, in fact, a beautiful site where there's about 10 peoples standing in a circle with their arms around each other praying in, in Spanish. And then they concluded that with a blowing of the shofar, which is a... a you know, Israeli horn made from the ram. So it kind of made a neat little trumpet sound. So usually a a kind of a celebratory uh, victory horn, Mm -hmm. the shofar. And so we saw several several shofar. uh, Flags of Israel were being flown. Uh, So, you know, it's the whole mix of people. I think it was a pretty good cross-section of America that was present there. Mm So when... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, and then the big thing that people were chanting... Uh, they weren't chanting Trump. They're chanting USA, USA. Like this was really a time to stand for America and stand with Trump because he's fighting to preserve America. And that's what it was about is preserving our freedoms. And so everybody was chanting USA, USA, uh, more so than anything. Two things. Uh, provocateurs. I want to go back to that because you mentioned there were provocateurs there in your opinion. You saw them with your own eyes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the other one was the contested elections. Uh, I, I just wanted to ask, because I do believe that a lot of people don't understand that there were a lot of contested elections this year, like outside of Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were a lot. Like there were, there were three or four states that would get mentioned in the Associated Press articles, but there were more states mm-hmm. that had contested elections. And Edwin, you're somewhat familiar with that, so talk a little bit about that, because we were talking about that the other day, and, and um, just in Minnesota alone. Yeah, you were, yeah talk about so that just a little in, bit. So just in Minnesota alone, I believe we had 14 contested state elections, either for state senate or state representative. And uh, there were a total of, which is interesting, same number, 14 states that uh, had these consent decrees to loosen election integrity laws. So they were the, the, uh, the executive secretary of states of those 14 states were sued by the uh, various uh, DFL-sponsored parties to uh, loosen these election integrity laws, like remove witness signature requirements, remove... Uh, 
uh, you know, cause unlimited ballot harvesting to happen, extend the the ballot uh, dates to be received after November 3rd. Uh, and candidates can help, quote unquote, help people vote. Candidates can help people vote. Candidates can? Yes. Unlimited. And so... Well, there, there, there was a, a kind of a formula that was used, a framework, mm-hmm. um, and it was done by Perkins Coie, a international law firm that the DFL party, Democrat party sponsors, and uh, is, is well established. This is all, you can find all this online. Uh, Mark Elias is uh, one of the brainchilds of this, uh, this lawsuit framework that was initiated and, and executed across 14 states the same so that's why it looks the same the patterns and mm-hmm. the same issues being contested oh we have the same the- stuff happening in oil and gas like i've been telling people for years new york and california were the test states colorado perfected the template mm-hmm. and you went to college in colorado so you're very and you're from alaska so mm-hmm. you understand oil and gas mm-hmm. on a lot of different levels mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and I, I, and I'll tie back what your concern about America is and my concern about the demise of oil and gas and how they're very intertwined because of the, the whole capitalist and, and free market side of things. But um, the provocateurs. So oh, the, mm-hmm. the, the whole state elections, I just, I just wanted to bring that up because there is legitimate concern from a lot of people that do not dress like water buffalo man. <laughs> and, and I think right. that's, that, that's yeah. what, what I'm trying to get through here is that the media has portrayed this D.C. election as crazy America gone wild, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's why the, the water buffalo guy was just perfect <laughs> for the poster child for this whole thing. And oh, in North Dakota, they when they tried to eliminate property tax, they took a picture of this like gummy Joe with one tooth, and you know he had a tank top on that was half ripped, and he had this old beater truck with a handmade "Vote No on Measure Two" sign. That's all they had to do was put that up there, and everyone voted yes. Just the opposite of what that guy did, you know. And so when I saw how the media started portraying this, I'm going, okay, there's some. There's, there, there's some things here happening. So I wanted to bring up the fact that Georgia was not the only state. There was many. You said 14 others? That's right. Okay. So 14 other states had issues. So there's legitimate concern for a protest, legitimate concern for concern. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned the provocateurs. Now, during the Black Lives Matters protests that happened over the summer, there were many rumors about, you know, plants... And that, that, that's a different political spectrum. Mm-hmm. But there was still rumors of plants. Mm-hmm. So now we go to the Trump rally, and you're hearing rumors again of plants, okay? And you're seeing with your own eyes provocateurs, if you will. So talk to me about the provocateurs and if there's any sort of uh, validity behind these idea of plants and that sort of thing. Oh yeah, absolutely, and I'll just I'll just start with saying that, you know, this sea a sea of uh, of of proud Americans who believe in in the val- founding values of America, of freedom and free market and individual uh, liberties, God given liberties. That if these same people truly wanted to storm and take the Capitol, it wouldn't look anything like what we saw 
because these people generally uh, are believers in the Second Amendment and are firearm owners and are, are generally uh, um, skilled at firearm ownership. And so if they truly wanted to storm and take the Capitol, uh, it would be armed and it would be very well organized and it would not have been this kind of a, uh, <laughs> of a brown show that, that occurred over here. Um, and so what, what I'm trying to get at is the provocateurs, uh, they, didn't, they stuck out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. And you can identify them by the way they spoke, by their disrespect for the property, you know, their foul language. They wore face masks where the vast majority of freedom-loving Americans are not wearing face masks. They were, full, you know, these provocateurs, they were fully, full head coverings, face masks. gas masks. Gas had, masks. Um, uh, but, pads. but mostly, you know, they brought the bullhorns. They did the chants. They egged on the crowds. And they had those languages like F the police and kill them all and, um, you know. They were uh, organized. They, they were, I mean. If they had chance, they were organized, oh, yeah. man. I mean, Come on. It, 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 you just flip on any Antifa Bullhorn? Yeah. I mean, it's not like, unless there's a guy selling bullhorns on the corner, <laughs> not many people are bringing them, you know, unless you're organized. You just flip on any any one of these videos, live streams from Antifa, uh, and you could tell the difference between freedom-loving Americans that were there who were peaceful, who were yeah. praying, who were blowing shofars singing. and flying flags and singing and compared to these provocateurs, uh, radical difference between the two. I can't believe and, they broke out the shofars. Anyways, and ahead. the majority of the people, like, uh, they weren't, they're just wearing your, their winter gear. Like, they were not armed. They were not, they didn't come with any defensive or offensive gear of any type. Like the majority of the people, it'd be like going to a baseball game or something. Frackleberry Hound, here's a climate activist out on the porch. That's our <laughs> joke whenever Frackleberry Hound starts growling. That's our mascot right there. She's our studio oh. dog. Oh, there she goes. Okay. So yeah, it was just a uh, just normal people that you would see, say, going to a hockey game because it was cold out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what you would see. Only probably. 50 times the amount of people. So how about like law enforcement and security? I mean, they, first of all, outside, because you guys were only outside. Mm -hmm. What type of security did they have and that sort of thing? There's like no security. I mean, I didn't see any security. Are you for real? Yeah. Like in the crowd where Trump, well, I didn't see any. I mean, there might have been closer to the stage, but we were in the back we were outside of the ellipse the ellipse is where the main event was or where they let you in but there's so that had completely filled up pretty early on and then outside of that ellipse it was just mass crowd and i didn't see any security out there um the security would have been by the capitol building after the speech Mm -hmm. that's where i saw the security how about you, Edwin? What did you see for security? Yeah, well, yeah. what's interesting is that, of course, to get into the area where you could get close to the, close to the president, uh, you had to pass a metal detector, and you couldn't bring in flagpoles or any bags, you know. So it was, uh, it was a screened area, and that area held, I don't know, five to 10,000 people. Uh, but outside of that area... There was uh, there was virtually no secu- I mean a little bit around the border of you know very fringe edges of where people were gathering. You had some some police you know with their cars parked and whatever it is. But the the that's the other thing about this crowd that that had gathered before the move to the Capitol 
is everyone was very lighthearted and we were you know people were friendly. were friendly and we, you know these are these are people that kind of had like-minded beliefs so we were just getting to know meeting each other new peoples and just enjoying uh, camaraderie in that and there was no scuffle that I saw we were there uh, you know from 7 a.m. until 6 a.m. well 6 a.m. until 4 p.m. but uh, I'll tell you what there was a different story once you got onto the capitol grounds uh, and that's, How so? that's, that's where there was the, the provocateurs. That's where there was the breaching of the Capitol, you know, to get in. Those people got inside, breaking of windows. And uh, that's where there was Capitol security that was deploying tear gas and flashbangs and pepper spray. Oh, they were? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But the majority absolutely. of the crowd was just standing and watching. They weren't mm-hmm. trying to go into it. They weren't necessarily running from it. Well, after the tear gas, some people left, but the majority of the people were just standing and just taking a stand. They weren't going forward and they weren't going backwards. They were just taking their stand and Mm. watching what was happening. I've had had two thoughts as I got bombarded over the weekend with text messages. And, you know, I got rid of my TV in 2006, 2007. So I, I don't have the news on, so to speak. I get mine on my Yahoo homepage because of my fantasy football team that my Yahoo is the one that happens to pull up. So that's where actually I get most of my news. Otherwise, I just talk to people like you that are actually there. In oil and gas, I just call the CEO and talk to them or somebody, the chemist or the whatever it might be. So when I hear that some people stormed the grounds and broke in and, and did all this stuff, my first thought is, how did this happen when we spent trillions of dollars after 9-11, okay? When I started seeing headlines later about they knew for weeks that this was going to happen and all these different things, all I can think of is if they knew, why did it? And how did it happen if there was all this money dumped into security? So that's kind of my first red flag on this whole thing. Um, I don't know if you have any comments on that, but uh, that's a, well, it's yeah. a little political yeah. and no, you're not here to be political. Great, it's a great question because there's a lot of misinformation that's being pumped out there. Right. I don't know, you know, it's a, for some reason, some agenda being pushed uh, to not actually present the facts. So on the west side of the building, on the Capitol, where we came in, there was the temporary bleachers that I mentioned that were set up for the inauguration coming January 20th. Uh, now, some people had climbed those bleachers to get up to the terrace, the upper terrace of the Capitol building. Now, once you climb the bleachers, you kind of have a hard time getting back down, right? So the Capitol security was concerned for the safety of those people that made it up to the upper terrace. So what they did is they, they escorted those people through the Capitol building and out to the east side. And if you look at the photos or videos of those people, they're walking very orderly, you know, in a straight line. And in fact, you see the velvet ropes that they're abiding by. They're just kind of cruising along through the rotunda down there. And the reason is because they're being escorted by Capitol Security in the front and the rear. Uh, So they were basically let in inside by Capitol Security for their own safety. Um, So, yeah, that's so so there's an entire group that was simply let inside to kind of pass through and you know these people the majority of them that i think from the west side were uh, were probably peace peaceful you know peaceful people um but again they were sprinkled with provocateurs and 
uh, for certainly on, on what I understand anyways on the east side is where the the real nasty stuff happened. And I mentioned there was tear gas and pepper spray and, and flashbangs. It wasn't just scattered across the entire crowd. It was just directed at one point where they were trying to get in. And again, we believe these people were, were Antifa that were trying to get in through a center. Who's exterior. Antifa again now? Which ones are they? Uh, They're against both presidents. They would just want to tear down the country. My understanding is they just want to tear down the country, no matter who gets in. Are they the ones who took over Seattle or part of Seattle? Yeah, yeah, the anarchists. The the ones who took over downtown. They were tired of laws, so they created their own. Right. Yeah. The uh, uh, what what do they call that? Uh, Autonomous zone. I get all these groups mixed up. You know, ISIS and Mm -hmm. Antifa and Freedom Fighters and all these different. Yeah. And there's rumors that the people or we had heard that the Antifa people had, uh, they're going to wear Trump gear, only they were going to wear their hats backwards, and that's how they're going to identify each other. And so there's been records of people, um, part of Antifa, who said that instead of dressing like their normal garb, they're going to dress like Trump supporters so that um, Wait, they, they would blend Trump in. supporters start dressing like the 1990s? What do you mean wear their hats backwards? Who wears their hats backwards anymore? No, they're wearing their hats backwards so they can identify who's Antifa. Oh, okay. Yep. That, well, that makes yep. sense because so, no one so, else is. That so makes- everybody's wearing Trump gear. The only difference between the what? Antifa people is that their hats are backwards so that they can identify each other Okay. in the crowd. Um, so that way they blend in with everybody else. People don't know who they are, or uh, except we knew. And so we, um, our group was able to identify certain people wearing their hats backwards and those people had tended to have a little bit more of a heavier dress to them or interesting knee pads or black flags, things like that. So when did you know that this peaceful rally had turned into a melee or a brouhaha or a conflict? I didn't honestly, I didn't really know at first because at first people were just walking to the Capitol and then people started to go up the steps and and people were just going up like step by step very slowly and i didn't i didn't see anything really happen until once i got to the top then the security started to come out and then once the security came out it looked like they had sprayed some tear gas and then some people had kind of freaked out and you hear sirens and stuff um i didn't really see any major thing happen but we're getting alerts on our phone that the curfews gonna at four o'clock that the city's gonna shut down at six the subways are gonna shut down at eight um so that was the emergency alert that we got at four and so when that started happening um did you sign up for those or is that just no i didn't say no it just came up on the phone it was like a surprise yeah Yeah, okay just making sure i'm caught up in the 21st century that they would know that we're there i mean that's yep but uh, back to the question of how do we know, or when do we know that there was a there was a disruption going on at the Capitol building? It was it was we were about three quarters of the way to the building on our walk on the grass when we came across an individual who had a little headset on and uh, was would kind of gave us a little heads up, a warning, and said, "Hey, they're they're uh, they're climbing the steps over there." And and so we started to talk to this person, and the person ended up being his name is Eric Rebels. He's a former former federal agent, uh, retired now, but he still has connections back to the Department of State Security. So he was actually getting radio chatter from people inside 
that, that were in the Capitol, the Department of State Security. And so he explained to us some of the things that were going on. And, um, and so we kind of had a little bit of a heads up uh, before we, we got close to the Capitol, what was going on. But I'll tell you what, later, so there's some, in, again, back to the whole misinformation and being stuff that's getting facts that aren't getting fully vetted, is that there's a, there was a, a young woman or a younger woman, 35-year-old woman, I believe, that was shot and uh, killed. And the latest information we have from, again, our source for, that has connections to the Department of State Security is that that uh, Capitol Police officer was not actually aiming at the, at the woman's neck or head or body. He was actually aiming at the, the plainclothes Capitol Security that was escorting the protesters through the building, as I mentioned earlier. So the Capitol policeman saw a, a plainclothes threat, a plainclothes person with a gun, and fired at that person, but the bullet deflected through uh, a glass and some other uh, uh, objects, uh, obstructions, and ended up hitting the woman in the neck. So just a lot of misinformation out there, and uh, hopefully people can reserve their judgment until really the truth comes out. And this is part of it, is, is being able to speak the truth, come on the show here, and, and uh, give firsthand accounts. Go ahead. Well, my next question was going to be about what has been, in your estimation, the biggest difference between what has been reported in the public and what was actually happened and what you just described is probably number one, or at least near the top. Are there any others that since, you know, you've been back for a couple days now and this just happened, what, two days ago, three days ago, whatever it was? I mean, because over the weekend is when really the, the processing happened, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, what what have you seen that you'd like people to know is not true? Fake news and, you know, that sort of thing. Or maybe something that didn't get reported and maybe somebody should know about. So is there anything like that? And then I do want to ask you about the, the after effects, too, because I understand you're involved in some affidavits with what happened over the weekend, too. So Well, I noticed um, that the Fargo Forum had said something about... Trump supporters storming the Capitol and it was so terrible that all these people stormed the Capitol and just seeing that headline it was like no the Trump supporters did not storm the Capitol Um, this was actually more than Trump supporters and in the president's speech he made it very clear that this is not about Republican or Democrats this is about America so these are people who went out to stand for America and there were people at the Capitol who are trying to stop people from breaking the glass and stop some of this, because um, people, they don't want the Capitol destroyed. Why would we want our own Capitol destroyed? That doesn't even make sense. If you're for America, why would you want to destroy your Capitol? And so- What was the headline? I'm sorry. Uh, I have it, Trump I have it, I have it downstairs. That, is that what it was? <laughs> I can grab it real quick. No, no, that's um, okay, because there's, there's a distinct- It was on the, in the weekend paper. There's a distinct difference between protesters storm the castle mm-hmm. and trump supporters storm the castle very big difference yeah i'd have to uh, i can and and no that's okay don't don't worry about it it's, uh your memory was of trump supporters so my guess is it's somewhere along that line instead of protesters the word something trump related was, to trump they they, had, they related the it to trump so. um and basically the thing is people I, were not storming the capitol people were standing around the capitol and there was just the the people up front were the ones that went in 
if if we really wanted to storm the Capitol, you would have had the whole crowd be going in mm-hmm. there. The whole crowd did not go in there. The whole crowd was standing around it, in front of it, watching. And it was only the people up front, uh, and like we said, the infiltrants <laughs> that mm-hmm. went in. And yeah, some Trump people might have followed them in there. Um, but there was no plan for us to go into the Capitol and Trump, President Trump never said anything in his speech about people going into the Capitol or doing anything violent to the Capitol building or mm-hmm. anybody in there. Um, he was uh, just very clear that we are to go stand in front of the Capitol, period. And when you say whole crowd, it wasn't the whole crowd of participants in the rally. It was uh, probably... It was, it was a very, I mean, it was, there was a good number of people at, at the Capitol building. Well, I would estimate 1,000 to 2,000 people. But you compare that to the number of people actually was at the rally of 250 to 500,000 people. It's a pretty small number. So what we're talking about, if you want to compare, let's say, Trump supporters of 250,000 Trump supporters at this event, not all of those people were at the Capitol building. Mm-hmm. And so obviously, you know, these people that were at the Capitol building, not all of them were Trump supporters. Um, and so, again, if, if the Trump supporters really wanted to storm the Capitol, let's say, you know, well, they, 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 there would have been a far, far larger number of people that were there. And, and, and uh, it would have been a whole different uh, kind of destruction that would have occurred. Oh, I, I think you're right. And I think a lot of that rage would have came out if they would have wanted it to, and, and it didn't. And, oh, look at that. Lisa went and got the headline. So it's, it's just it's a thing I do when I get irritated by the laziness of the modern media because to put something like a headline like that. Okay, so I'll give you an example. In Aspen, Colorado... There was a, um, I call it domestic terrorism, but it was a, this radical group called Earth First, exclamation point. They spray painted Earth First on a pipeline. And because of the his- history with them tagging their, their violent acts of destruction, there's been policies now put in place to where they got to shut down, check the, check the gas line pipes, all this stuff. Anyways, the net effect was... 4,000 people without power. So here the gas company, the power company, who generally has a monopoly, but the monopoly is tied to their, they have to give services. So 4,000 people go without power, boom. They gotta bring generators out there, they gotta bring you know, uh, heaters out there, etc. okay? So this group does, Damage to 4,000 people, elderly people, college kids, you know, just middle-class people without homes. And the sheriff's quick to say, well, I don't, we don't want to call this an act of terrorism. Okay, well, we won't get into that. But the headline is the big chill. That was the headline. 4,000 people in Aspen, Colorado, go without heat should have been the headline. Radical environmental group shuts down power company affects 4,000 people should have been the headline. Okay, this is an actual emergency. Yet the newspaper, all hip, clever, and sexy, the big chill. 
Ooh, look at that. We even got a 70s movie title in there, an 80s movie title in there. It's even got a little <laughs> sexiness to it. That's what bothers me. So I'm sorry. What was the headline? <laughs> well, so. there's a few parts here. So in the, uh, the headline, it says Democrats say they'll push for impeachment. Twitter suspends Trump's account for inciting violence at the Capitol. Number one, he did not incite violence. He invited people to stand in front of the Capitol so the people inside the Capitol could see all the people. And I would dare say there's at least a million, if not two million people there at mm -hmm. least, so that they could see the people who are standing for America and against all these policies they want to push through and standing to uh, ensure an honest election that we can be heard in the courts, really. If we're not heard in the courts, then how do we know it's legit? And if you're not hiding anything, then... If it's legit, why are you hiding anything? But here's the, here's the issue, is that if the newspapers report that a tree falls in the forest and it didn't, the tree still fell. Right, so they're, I mean, they're just matter. saying. Yeah. So basically, they're, they're saying he incited violence, but yeah. he just invited people to stand in front of the Capitol. That's the point of that. And... Um, well, so you, yeah, you, that you was... You gonna read us the whole thing? Or? No. <laughs> okay, all right. There is one other piece here, but I, I think I'll just leave it at that. that so let's, let's transition. To the affidavits, if you don't mind, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, the, the two of you have been asked to participate in some affidavits over the weekend to um, help direct the legal procedures in order to allow the truth to come out. Is that a proper way to phrase it? Well, the truth's already out. It's just not being heard on mainstream media, but the truth is already out. Well, it's going through the courts right now and the mm -hmm. FBI and all this different stuff. So, Edwin? Yeah, just to add to what you're saying is that we are, we've, we are invited in amongst a few other people, and anyone else is an invitation. If, if you are there firsthand account so that the, the facts could actually be heard, we were asked to put together some affidavits about our experience, and we've done that. And those affidavits will be used for a couple different purposes. One will be to simply set the record straight mm -hmm. for the annals of history. And number two, to provide any kind of defense for an impeachment or any kind of action against the president. So they're basically, uh, you know, the mechanisms to get the truth out, as Lisa said, um, and there's more than us two that are a part of that process. Uh, I can't say the names of, of all the people because of respect for their privacy, but uh, in the end, uh, yeah, we're, we're connected with uh, an attorney that's connected with Trump's legal team, and uh, they've, they've asked to provide this information for uh, solidarity. So let me, let me ask you this, and, and try not to take offense by this, but do you think that there will be any blowback from a public, you know, community standpoint? Do you think that there will be any sort of FBI domestic terrorism list that you're going to end up on? And I know these are ridiculous questions, but I saw the texts I got over the weekend, and, and I've seen the headlines that are permeating across social media right now, 
And I don't think these questions are that out of line. I mean, do you? I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize if but, they're offensive. But no, they're, that's actually very valid. And isn't it frightening? It is. That that's we, that's why that I, we, feel, that, I feel that, embarrassed that in, asking that, you that. That in your backyard, <laughs> that there may be a domestic terrorist. <laughs> exactly. But it's more than it's more than that. It's that the accusations, <laughs> the accusations are flying, and we know that the truth is being manipulated. I mean, it's obvious. And the reason why I am willing to take a stand is because our freedoms are at risk. Our, my, our children's way of life and future are at risk. Our own lives are at risk. Uh, it goes beyond just, hey, I might lose my job or I might lose my social circle. I might get shamed. We're talking about the future of our country here. And it is definitely time. It's well past time for us to take a stand and that's why we're willing to to do it and to risk whatever social dejection and whatever because we know the truth will prosper it might take some time but the truth will always prevail do you, do you think there's any uh fear about being labeled a domestic terrorist the minute your name gets on these affidavits or anything like that you know the old nixon list back in the 60s or yeah. 70s whenever he was president well there was that whole thing you know and well if we don't stand now when are we going to stand that's the big thing right? and we can't live in fear this is a time where we cannot live in fear the more we live in fear the more they're going to advance so people just cannot be afraid of that and it's better to live it's better to die for freedom than to live in bondage so we, we just can't live in fear of all those things. Or if you do, you're, I mean, either way, you're going to be destroyed. So you might as well stand for something or you're going to fall for everything. Do you know anybody who's, who's been asked that has not gone on the affidavit? You don't have to give names or anything like that. But is there, that's, uh, is there, is there people that are not saying, you know what, I'd love to, but I just I can't risk it because, you know, my deep down inside, I'm, I'm afraid that I might be labeled a domestic terrorist. And, and I, you can't blame somebody if they back out like that, but also at but the same time. But this is the time to stand up. But what if you're saying is exactly now, right, too. It's a very complex time we're living in. So I don't know, but it, do you know anybody? Or? Yeah, absolutely. So, we, you know, there there's some people that initially had had committed to, to signing an affidavit, and then after uh, the, basically the last 24 hours of, of media uh, uh me, media shaming or uh, media persecution is really what it is they decided uh, that no they didn't they were afraid and that and this is a very important point is that fear is being used as a motivator uh, as a as a mechanism to control our behavior all the way back to the coronavirus so it, not only is there health scare there is political persecution uh, there's fear again of you know your job can be in jeopardy or your uh, credibility your social status whatever it may be uh, censorship now you know get your get your uh, account stripped from social media uh, so on and so forth but the point is is that to identify and see that look hey fear is being weaponized for an agenda and to open your eyes and see that. And, and, you don't and, you know, tell more, me, man. I'm the more the you live in fear, the more likely those things are actually going to happen. The more you stand up, the less likely those things are happen. happen. We have it in the oil and gas yeah. industry, okay? We've got a 16-year-old girl that is kicking the crap out of <laughs> Madison Avenue in the billion-dollar marketing machine, okay? It's true. And it's kicking the crap out of them so much that we've got CEOs and high-powered officials that have so much fear 
They're afraid of the free market. So they want the government to give them money. We got debates going on in Texas where the younger generation wants the government to control production. They're afraid of the free market. That's why I'm a little bit upset is because I'm, a, I'm seeing that we've got a new generation that not only do they not understand the free market, they're flat out afraid of it because they're afraid they might fail. It's much easier to get the government subsidy and act like a big shot than it is to actually put some skin in the game and get out there. So that's what I'm seeing in the oil and gas industry right now. That's why I think it's so important what you're talking about because to me it parallels perfectly because I truly believe Somebody told me this five years ago, okay? And I thought he was a nut job, crazy guy. He goes, Jason, the agenda is to bring down oil and gas because that'll demise capitalism and usher in socialism. And I went, oh my God, that's just crazy. But I, even, I tell you what, every day I think more and more about, boy, that guy's so crazy, he might be correct. And if I see the oil and gas industry go away, I, I have absolutely no idea where somebody can try out a new idea because every other industry is so subsidized, regulated, and reverse engineered, controlled, you ain't got a shot. Oil and gas industry was the only industry left I saw that actually wanted to see people succeed and not steal their business. They actually wanted to see somebody try to build a community based on what they wanted to do, not off of what Amazon wanted. That was, I mean, that was a big thing for me. So anyway, sorry, there's my soapbox moment. So. I should have got out there in the Capitol steps. So anyways, but uh, what do you want people to know? I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. You can respond off that. Yeah, I just want to I just want to kind of affirm what you're saying is that 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 fear tactic is being used in all areas of our of our uh, of our country. To control in, us. You're right. Whether it's health, whether it's economics, whether it's social shaming, whatever may be that it, it's propagated as a tactic and i think the, it, the the way to push back is to recognize it and exp, expose it for what it is and, and then, live then, in then, it. then and, and confront it and then it's just like any other fear once you confront it you know then then it can be the courage can come forth and you can stand against it and another pattern i'm seeing too i guess this is related more to governor walls but and the Governor other, Walls of Minnesota. And the COVID restrictions, because it's like you shut down everything completely, then you open up with restrictions, and everybody can accept it because it's been shut down for so long, and then you open up with more. Res- you can do more than the shutdown, but then it's still more restrictive than it was before COVID, and then you have a shutdown again and then a reopen a second time with even more restrictions than the first time you opened up. So just, I'm seeing this pattern of getting really strict, getting loose, getting really strict, getting loose with stricter, loose regulations, and just seeing that pattern play out, and that is something that is concerning as well. Um, so it's you kinda know like very the snake, un- it's like the snake around the neck where- That is exactly how Sterling described what has happened to the oil and gas industry in the last 20 years. That is exactly how he described it. It was a push, pull, push, pull, back and forth. Snake constricting is probably a better way to put it. I always call it a slow bleed hemorrhage. You're just hemorrhaging somebody out, slowly dying them out on the vine. 
making so it them gets, feel it. There's a little relief, but then it gets tighter than a little relief. It's well, tighter. it's it's really it's um it's almost a Jedi mind trick. It's Orwellian. You you make the person believe they're in control when they're really not. And and at the end of the day, that's all it is. is mm-hmm. You make them believe they have control when really you have all the control. But the thing that you have to have a reservation at a restaurant in order to go to a restaurant it's like they're trying to track you basically oh i got an alert and today anyway, by that's the way a whole, uh, whole i got an alert that my area now has the covid tracker did you get that no so we just talked about this in the last hour in the program how doug Burgum has been really trying to get north dakota people to sign up for this this covid tracker that china uses okay contact tracing yeah contract tracing and and Burgum, to his credit, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna diss him or, or get mad at him for it. But at the same time, I'm gonna say I'm, I'm against it. But he was trying to get people to sign up for this app uh, because, well, the guy who made it, I believe, is a political donor of his. He's one of Bill Gates's buddies. And so, at the same time, this app was created for NDSU Bison fans. And so, they used it to track Bison fans across the country, all traveling down to Frisco for the games, this and that. Fun, fun, fun. Oh, let's make COVID fun. Let's also make a lot of money for my rich friends and things like that. So, he's been trying to push people into it. And I just am surprised nobody in the local media or not one Republican or not one Republican talk radio station or anything has brought up that Chinese comparison to where that's the law over there. From my understanding, you have to check in with your phone every day, tell them where you're going, because if you're going to go have lunch at, you know, long John Silver's later, there might be four other people that have the same blood type and therefore they might have a, a certain COVID percentage and therefore you can't go till 12.15 and uh, the other guy can go for a half hour. They start telling you how much time you can spend in different restaurants and things like that. Some people love it. Some people love it because their day's planned for them. And you know what? Go to China and have fun. But for me, I still like to kind of wake up and decide what I want to do. You know, I, I just do. And I understand I'm in the minority. I understand that being someone who wants to give people liberty and someone who wants to give people freedoms, I am definitely the minority on that. But and what's the point of living if you're not free? If you're not free to do, like if you can't live in freedom, what, what's the point of even being alive? Like you know, I'd rather I, die sure. of COVID than, than live without freedom or I'd rather just I guess die period than live without freedom. I, I guess to work, right? work and pay taxes that's the point <laughs> yeah I mean. well i mean really you're running out of options now but so. if you find you find what you're gifted in you find what you're passionate about and do that for your work then right well that's the that's what you should be doing anyways is that i mean and, and back when they had trades people generally gravitated towards a trade mm-hmm. you know type of a thing but now people are in for the money you know i mean you that's know, go, the problem go, yeah. you got to find what you're passionate about and then it won't be about the money anymore I mean, th- think of how many people just use jobs as a stepping stone. I mean, how awful to know that you're going to take a job just so you can use it to go get a better job. I mean, but that's that's the norm. People do that. Anyways, go ahead, Edwin. Yeah, so I think you might have asked earlier about maybe the message, uh, you know, to take away or what probably I, half the, hour ago I did. Yeah. What I wanted to maybe say <laughs> to people is that to recognize the fear that you're being programmed with and persecuted with right now. And so you can see that people are just 
they're they're scrambling to cover their tracks and to hide and to 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 prep get the water get the gas cans filled up um you know let's let's hunker down and cover our tracks so that no one knows that we are freedom loving americans uh and and here's here's a problem with that is you're taking and you're taking your power you're taking your um your voice and you're just squashing it, quenching it. So it's actually not the time now to cower. It's the time now, very much so, to stand up and to to definitely expose yourself and unite with other people who are also doing the same. Because this is what this is the agenda is actually to squash us, to cause us to cower, so that we lose our capacity to mobilize and to have strength in numbers and 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 not network. Do you think the Politicians and the elite are pitting the pitchforks against the torches. Absolutely, absolutely. I think so too. Um, I think that divide and conquer. Yeah, I, I think that's where we're at too. Is is a lot of that's happening. So, well, I appreciate you guys coming on to talk a little bit about what's what's happening there and and what you saw and what you experienced and firsthand and maybe some of the concerns you have for our country as it goes down the path it's going down and you know we tried to stay as little politics as possible but it's a little bit difficult not to get political at a political event (laughs) (laughs) but i think overall the bigger picture though is that there's some concerns you know and and to me my message is really simple as far as you know listening to what your story is and what i've experienced it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat, if you're a Green Party, you're a Libertarian, or you're a, you know, who's the guy who wears the Merlin hat or the boot on his head, you know, or you're one of the fringe party candidates. The country has changed significantly. And in the same way 9-11 changed the way that we have transportation and uh, any sort of airline security, I truly believe what happened last weekend is going to change our personal freedoms beyond belief. By next year, we will not even recognize the freedoms we had a year ago. Uh, I, I really, truly believe that. And, and this last weekend was the start of it. I really think so. And, I, and I, I appreciate you guys coming on because that's my biggest fear right now is, is losing personal freedoms over the next year. Actually, we're going to give them away for what? A couple blenders and a toaster. That's what we're going to do at the end of the day. They're going to kick us another 600 bucks. You take that freedom. Please give us another $500 and we'll give you this freedom. That's, that's where people are at right now. They're begging. So what, why did it take last weekend and not last summer to get to that point? Well, I don't know, I guess. Um, you know, part of it was Trump lost. And there's a lot of people that are a little upset about that still. Uh, I think the reality is setting in now more and more um, that there's some major changes is happening. But at the same time, I think there is enough questions that are unanswered that are pissing people off. <laughs> End of sentence. <laughs> I mean, that's just, well, because really, that's generally the, what is behind rage is uncertainty. You're not sure of something, so you get angry, okay? Most people who are aware and have things figured out are generally pretty calm. So, 
I, I think there's so much hypocrisy going on and so much misunderstanding and so much disconnect. It's people have no other choice. This is what they're left to do. Well, mm -hmm. there's one more choice. And that, that was just an appetizer about what the next choice is. And unfortunately, that's where we're going. So you got a guitar. What's up here? Well, as we're driving back, um, Edwin and I were talking and just thought it would be a good idea to write a song about the event. And I, at first I was like, well, what in the world would I write? And then over the next couple of days, a melody came and some lyrics came. And so this, this was just put together within the past couple of days here. So it's nothing... Um, so you want to still kind of always, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's still a work in progress, but um, talking about faith and using what we've been given, um, I don't know to what degree or even what talent I have to offer this world, but it's what I have, and so I just thought I'd play it. Hey. I just wrote it, and you just decided to interview me. So if it's original music, man, we'll play it because uh, we're all about that. In fact, we got the Moody River Band; they're all original music, but we'll we'll let you play. So, ladies and gentlemen, so world don't exclusive. don't expect like a uh, Shania Twain or something. <laughs> let her rip. All right. Shutting out the voices. 
limiting in choices. So all we want is just one thing. So, so stand your ground and don't back down. Keep pressing into the walls, cave. The faithful will rise, refusing compromise. So stand your ground and don't back down. It's a work in progress. with Jason Space. Thank you for joining the program today. If you want to look at America, you go to Permian and the Bakken, and, and that's what America should be, united as one. And that's exactly what we are. And, and then, you know, that's what I love about the oil and gas industry. One county in Kansas, one single county, produced 9% of the world's oil. That was oil that won World War One, As the British said from the floor of Parliament, the Allies floated to victory on a sea of oil. Works picked up here in the Permian Basin. Yeah, leadership really needs to take a look at how we've been doing things and constantly make changes in how we can do things better. Commodities are always, 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 any commodity business, whether it's milk or whether it's oil or whether it's apples, they always are boom or bust because the solution to low prices is high prices, the solution to high prices is, you know, is high prices. It's a big issue. You know, it's kind of red riding hood syndrome here. People making out the industry to be the big bad wolf. And on top of that, you know, you would get a nice increase in pay, as I'm sure most of us all know. When you move to oil field areas, you get a, a nice little bump in pay. After him and I having five margaritas over at the Cork and Pig, I called my boyfriend and I was like, hey, do you want to move to Texas? And he was like, yeah, when, when are we moving? <laughs> and honestly, we moved about a month after that. This oil and gas industry, I've met some of the best people I've ever met in my life doing this. Play hard, work hard. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Sean Forbes with Oilfield Sourcing about some of the activities happening in the oil and gas industry. This is Sean Forbes with Oilfield Sourcing on the Crude Life Daily Update. Yeah, so I've actually been um, in purchasing for 20 years. I started in, in aerospace and worked my way through to the oil and gas industry 14 years ago. So I've been in, in procurement for, for 14 years in oil and gas. I started at um, a pump skid fabricator uh, called Quadna, who then got purchased by DXP. I was a, a buyer slash project manager for those guys and then went to work for an engineering firm called Forerunner, which eventually was purchased by URS. I did a lot of project buying for a lot of operators and midstream companies. Um, then I went to Encana. I worked for Encana for four years, supported probably 12 operating areas in, in 10 different states in the U.S. Uh, and then I went to Whiting, uh, which is where 
I have my, my North Dakota support experience from, I remember one day I was out there looking for a bunch of stainless steel fittings and it was probably negative 10 blowing snow and I could never have been more mad at that supplier for making me go out there and try to hunt down materials. And that just gave me so much more respect for the, the men and women who work outside in North Dakota. So heads up and hands off, hats off to the guys out there. Um, Whiting sold their assets to Tesoro. So I went to Tesoro for a year and then over to Discovery Midstream. We built out a bunch of pipelines and gas plants in the DJ here in Denver. And uh, my last stint was with Kalman Venture supporting uh, BKV operating up in Pennsylvania and North Texas. To listen to the full-length interview with Sean Forbes with Oilfield Sourcing or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our ever-growing army of social media energy enthusiasts at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media page, and we've got the YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, even a LinkedIn account, folks. That's thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard.